0: rainbow bridge of dasgard where the booming heaven hell-
1: Jesus kid.
0: Soulless machine? How dare you strike the son of Odin?
1: Show off. So whoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, he shall possess the power of thought.
2: Episode twenty-eight
0: There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a warm Rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't wanna be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It,
2: it, it's a trap.
0: Toss it, good it, taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture. Leftovers.
3: Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Jake. I'm Gina. And we're <laughs> The leftovers.
4: leftovers.
3: Yeah. All right. Hey, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, if you haven't heard, uh, we have Gina on the podcast now. Gina, speak up a little bit. I don't know if we're getting you on the mic as good as we can.
4: Okay, I'll do my best. No,
3: now you sound great. Fantastic. Okay, uh, but yeah, Gina hopefully is going to be joining the cast. Uh, we're going to have her on here and uh, more and more and more getting her acclimated to the show. But hopefully Gina will be joining the cast. Gina, um, we'll talk about you uh, now a little bit if you'd like. I mean, what are you into and, uh, you know, why did you want to join the show? Yeah. Why
4: did I want to join the
3: show? Yeah, why the hell would you want to join this thing? Oh. This clusterfuck <laughs> of a mess we call the show.
4: You sounded like you needed some female balance.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. A little
3: bit of estrogen on the podcast. Right. Actually, there's actually no testosterone on this podcast, to be honest with
5: you. (laughs) Very small levels.
3: (laughs) Seriously, this podcast needs to be brought to us by, like, Tampax or something. That should be our sponsor. Yeah. Tampox. <laughs> it's
4: like some kind of disease you get Oh,
3: tampox? Yeah, it's a disease you get when you don't use tampons. Um, <laughs> <I> oh, <don't> no. <know. laughs> but hey, yeah, welcome okay. to the show.
4: Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, slowly backing away. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't come back. You
3: can No, you can tell us about yourself now. We don't have to go into female hygiene products. So that's good. Yeah. I don't
4: really want to go there either.
3: Yeah, I didn't I didn't I had uh, no idea this conversation was gonna go in that direction.
4: I didn't either. Um it's probably good that I didn't. I might have been a little bit, you know, disturbed in advance.
3: Well, I am deleting uh, the notes that I had in here about tampa tampax and tampons, so now I feel a little embarrassed. But no, go ahead and tell us about yourself and
4: Okay, well um I Tend to be the the nerdy friend in the group, um, even when it's a uh, male and female mix. And uh, oddly enough, when I told him I was going to be on a podcast, he didn't seem that surprised. So <laughs> cool. Um, I I love comics. I'm crazy about cartoons. Um, I read probably the most campy sword and sorcery stuff out there.
5: <laughs> nice.
4: But yeah.
3: And finally, I'll have somebody to talk to Doctor Who about.
5: Oh, God. I feel bad about that. No, you don't.
4: Um, Yeah, I do. Today, because when I was at the theater today, um, I saw that they're going to be showing on the 25th the 50th anniversary episode on the big screen. I'm like, oh, my God.
3: Yeah, it's going to be in 3D. I'm nice. So excited. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm trying to get caught up so I can I can uh, watch it in 3D because I seriously want to. Yeah, I've already got it marked oh. on my calendar.
4: I seriously, when I first started watching it with Doctor Number Nine, like I was, I mean, just so blown away by how bad the special effects were. <laughs> oh,
3: sure, sure. But the fact it's, that
0: they've come this far—they
3: have come very far—and we're going to be talking about a little bit more about somebody who uh, had a lot to do with that uh, Doctor Number Nine in tonight's Thor: The Dark World review with Christopher Eccleston as Malekith. Yes, so that was a little nice tie-in that I had in there. But uh, we're, we're definitely, uh, Gina. It's great to have you on the podcast. I hope to have you on for many, many weeks to come. So, welcome. Me too. Welcome, Please. Gina. All right, we're definitely going to talk about Thor The Dark World this week, but I wanted to take this moment really quick to say farewell to a voice actor who passed away on October 25th uh, for over 20 years. Marsha Wallace voiced Bart Simpson's fourth-grade teacher, Mrs. Krabappel, and she passed away. She will be missed. Um, uh. I don't know if you guys saw last week's um, Simpsons, but... Uh, it was the first Simpson censor passing, and in last Sunday's chalkboard gag, all you saw was Bart Simpson. He looked looking at the chalkboard, uh, usually with a joke written multiple times on it. But this time, he was just standing there with slumped uh, slumped shoulders. He was looking sad, uh, with the phrase "We'll really miss you, Mrs. K." On the chalkboard, wow. so Aww. yeah, I just wanted to say that real quick, and we're going to jump right into Thor: The Dark World. Um, have you guys? You guys have seen those um, AT and T commercials where the guy in the suit he sits down, he talks to the kids.
4: Yeah, yeah, yes.
3: the kids. Yeah, the kids are really. I could
4: see the Loki one.
3: C- you did see the Loki one.
4: I did. I love it. I yeah. watched it like four times
3: now. Oh, it's hilarious. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna bring up. They, they I, 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 like those commercials. Uh, and I saw, you know, Comedy Central. They made a parody of it, and it, it starred Tom Hiddleston as Loki, and he, <laughs> he's talking to the kids. So, do a search for it on the internet if you have not seen it. Just search Loki, Comedy Central, and you should find it. It is very funny. Uh, yeah, I watched
5: it multiple times. Very funny. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I saw a little blurb on it today when I was surfing, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it sounds pretty funny.
3: Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, Jamie Alexander, who plays Lady Sif in the Thor movies, um, yeah. I wanted to bring this up really quick. As a side note, she admitted to having a meeting with Warner Brothers, possibly about playing Wonder Woman, and most likely for Batman versus Superman. Uh, during the AMC panel at Kamikaze Expo, she let it slip that she, quote... Kind of knows the storyline, unquote, huh. for Batman versus Superman.
5: Interesting. <sighs> yeah.
3: So I mean, yeah.
4: Actually, I had always pictured her for that role because I loved her in Kyle X Y, uh-huh. and I remember thinking she would be really good for that.
3: Well, I mean, I think it'd be, I think it'd be better for her because, as we saw tonight, and we'll get more into it later. I mean, she's great at Sif, but they really don't give her a lot of screen time.
2: Right. No.
3: I think this would be a great way for her to stretch her acting ability and play, you know, a bit stronger female character. I mean, not saying that Sif isn't strong, we just haven't got to see a lot of her on screen.
5: Yeah, that's true.
3: Um, In an interview with Forbes, she even compared Lady Sif uh, to Wonder Woman. Uh, I mean, this is before the talks. Uh, with Warner Brothers, she said, I'm a huge fan of Wonder Woman. I really think if this is the closest that we're ever going to get to Wonder Woman, then I'm proud to play SIF. I hope that other comic book entities can learn a lesson from Marvel and how to execute a female character the way it should be done. I really would like to one day see a Wonder Woman film or Wonder Woman character, but until it's done with class, I'd rather it not be done.
2: Right. I think we all agree with that. Yeah, I don't think Marvel's even done it quite correctly yet. Exactly.
3: I was going to say the same thing. I mean, they've kind of put these women in these movies and kind of thrown them in, but they really haven't taken, like... I mean, you can't say at this point that we've seen a character that's on the same level as an
2: Avenger, like a Captain Marvel could be. Right. Yeah, I agree. Not even one of the lesser Tire Avengers yet. I mean, there hasn't even been a female that is you know with hawkeye as big as him yet you know
3: well i think black widow in that last (laughs) avengers movie held her own i mean that scene that scene where she's on the phone with clark Gregg as colson and she's just sitting there pretty much just mocking those russians that was badass that was badass yeah totally that movie what was that gina
4: That was one of my favorite
3: scenes. Oh, absolutely. It was one of my favorite scenes. Now, how do you feel about um, the women in the Marvel movies? Do you think that they've hit that level yet? Or do you think that they can take it to the next level and go even more super, you know, have someone with more superpowers and somebody who's more empowered as a female in those movies?
4: I I mean, I don't feel like they've done such a poor job, but I feel like you notice there's been all these, Male-centric Marvel movies, and the only time you really see female ones is when they're a side character or when it's the group that's come together. There hasn't been a female-centered movie yet, right?
3: Yeah, and that's what they. I think they should do. I think I think that uh, people are ready for that. I mean, I know I am, and I know that you'd see a lot of females. I think a lot more females come to the theater. And I think Marvel needs to get the jump on it before DC. I think they need to come out with a Captain Marvel movie. I think that needs to be the next logical step.
5: Yeah, I think they both know it. You know, I think that's why they're pushing for this now. I think really they've you know, through the internet and whatnot, just everyone really clamoring for this to happen with a strong female lead. Right. You know, I think they both studios know that it's the time to do it. So um yeah. Yeah I, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, Olga um, Kurilenko, if I'm pronouncing that right, from Quantum of Solace, is mm-hmm. also a runner. Um, they said that she's kind of almost past... Um, uh, damn it. Now I can't think of her name. We're just talking about her.
3: Jamie Alexander?
5: Yeah. They they said that she's almost past her as far as what they're considering because it, she is so Marvel-centric at this point, mm-hmm. but you know like you said it it is it would be a better move for her and i think people want to see it so i think there's already okay. uh, an audience for her to be that character yeah
3: i don't think it matters like if you have her playing sif if you have her playing wonder woman i don't think it's going to confuse people harrison ford like i said he's han solo and he's indiana jones I don't see why Chris Hemsworth couldn't be Thor and He-Man. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Just play to your strengths. But let's yeah, let's talk a little sure. bit of let's yeah let's talk a little bit of Thor. Let's get into Thor. Um, let's see here. This is our Thor review. Thor has performed quite well overseas. Um, last week in its first weekend, it opened in thirty-six foreign territories with one hundred nine point four million. That's the fourth biggest overseas weekend of two thousand thirteen. And estimated to be the in estimated to be the top film in every market it opened. Now according to deadline.com, the top performing markets for the dark world include the United Kingdom with thirteen point four million, France at nine point four million, Mexico at eight point two million, Brazil at eight point one million, Germany at seven point nine, Russia at seven point eight. South Korea at seven point six, North Korea at zero dollars, and Australia <laughs> at six point nine million dollars, um, and it's reportedly easily outpacing its two thousand and eleven predecessor in the same number of markets. So it's outperforming yeah. Thor the original. That is really really good because typically these movies don't outdo their predecessors.
5: No, it's always the like a curse almost the second movie. You know, you never know how it's going to play and. Right. Uh, it's nice to see those numbers. It's done it's well here too. So
3: yeah, um, it's so it's Thor. It premiered uh, in U.S. theaters on Thursday, and here's a little fact for you: Thursday is actually derived from Old English and Middle English Thursday, which means Thor's day. Nice. <laughs> so that's my little know-it-all asshole fact of the podcast. <laughs> Very good. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Dark World took in $7.1 million at the Ooh, Nor- North boy. American box office and Thursday evening showings. That's more than twice as much as Thor, which took in $3.2 million, uh, back in May 2011 when it opened uh, to $65 million, I guess, that weekend. But less than half of what Iron Man 3 took in, which was $15.6 million. Uh, this past May on its way to a 174. million point four million dollar opening weekend but still this is thor that we're talking about it's going to out Thor two this is going to outperform the original and i think that's great news
5: yeah for sure definitely deservingly so
3: i think yeah um thor the dark world uh let me just go over a quick synopsis uh thor the dark world faced with an enemy that even odin and asgard cannot withstand Thor must embark on his most perilous and personal journey yet, one that will reunite him with Jane Foster and force him to sacrifice everything to save us all. Um, It's directed by Alan Taylor, who we all know from Game of Thrones. Um, The screenplay was uh, Christopher Yost and Christopher Marcus. Uh, The movie stars Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, Anthony Hopkins as Odin, Christopher Eccleston as Malekith, Jamie Alexander as Lady Sif, Kat Dennings as Derry Lewis, Idris Elba as Heimdall, Rene Russo as Friga, Stellan Skarsgård as Eric Selvig, and now there's a new fandrel. Uh, Zachary Levi replaces Josh Dallas as Fandral. Um, right. Our review of Thor: The Dark World will contain spoilers. Am I correct? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah.
3: If you have not seen Thor The Dark World and would not like to be spoiled, then turn this off right now and watch Thor and then come back and then listen, because we are going to spoil the shit out of this. (laughs) So um, I'm going to go ahead and play. We do have a rating system. I'm going to go ahead and play that. If you are new to the show, you haven't heard it, and I would like for you to be familiar with it.
0: The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success a Tupperware party.
3: All right. Uh, Jay, you said you wanted to start first. What is your rating or your thoughts on Thor the Dark World?
5: Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and go. Um, I uh, was really, really anticipating this movie. I think it might have been the most anticipated, you know, probably since Man of Steel, of course, uh, which, you know, I think it drew a lot of comparisons to that. I think they were really, you know, because they were so close to each other, I think I had, like, in my mind, drawn a lot of comparisons between the two and kind of put them up against each other because Thor's almost kind of, the superman of the marvel universe in a way um he's almost an alien on a on when he's on earth he's almost an alien and then you know he has these god-like powers um so i was comparing it to that and i think i enjoyed it um just as much if not more than um uh, man of steel so my rating uh is a tupperware and uh it's it's just because like uh it had all the great elements that I liked from, uh, Avengers. I think this was the closest to kind of really capturing the feel of what you caught from the Avengers movie. And so it had, you know, the humor, the action, uh, the character development, uh, a great supporting cast. Uh, and, and I think they really, uh, played the supporting cast a lot better in this one than they did in the first one. And so I think that was really cool to, to see them kind of shine in this in between, all these things that were going on and and of course um you know the shining moments are you know Thor and Loki's uh relationship of course is uh what really drives a lot of what I liked about this uh the design the technology of the dark elves the dark elves themselves I thought was a really cool villain uh and a threat and of course you know I think the ultimate was the post credit scene for me which um we'll talk about later but that <laughs> yes. that for me was fantastic so
3: all right, so Jay gives it a Tupperware. Uh, Jake, I believe you were wanting to review next. Jay, Jay did, yeah. you, did you get all your thoughts out there? Yes, sir. Fine, fantastic. All right, Jake.
2: Yes, um, I am going to give it a taste it. Very close to a Tupperware for me, but I'm going to stick to the taste it. It wasn't quite brilliant, but I did like it very much. Um, I thought it kind of opened a little bit slow for me. I was a little bit bored with it for the first half an hour, to be honest with you, until uh Tom Hiddleston as Loki finally showed up. And that's really where the movie kind of kicked it into high gear for me. Really strong middle section and a really strong end. But I admittedly, I was a little bit bored at the beginning with it. At, at first, I really wasn't digging into the uh, dark space elves too much. But by the end of the movie, I'd kind of turned around on them and enjoyed them as a villain. But um. Yeah, I, I thought the supporting cast was good. I agree with Jay that it was the closest Marvel movie to Avengers so far. Um, just you know, mix of all the genres and everything. It, it was very funny at parts. Sometimes I thought it tried a little bit too hard to be funny, though. And I think that's a little bit what's keeping it from being a Tupperware for me. I could have done without um the Darcy character that Kat Dennings played.
3: Oh, you son of a bitch!
2: Oh uh, yeah, she she could have just not been in the movie for me.
3: Oh oh. <laughs> Ugh, stop
5: right now! You son of a bitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I loved Darcy, by the way. I'd... Yeah, I wanted, I wanted her to get killed I... by Dark Space. Cells. No,
5: Jake. <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: If she gets killed, how in the hell are her and that blonde chick ever going to have their cupcake store?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the least of my concerns. That's like caring about whether or not Shia Booth gets a good apartment in Transformers Three. I, I just don't give a fuck. <laughs>
5: I loved her. I loved her. I loved her intern, the intern of the intern. I like. I thought. I didn't expect that from Alan Taylor or the writing, and that was that was a fun little thing. The humor I thought was right on. But you didn't like Darcy.
3: I've given I've given her intern the nickname of Ian Turn. Ian Turn. Ian Turn. (laughs) No, but I'm. You guys all know, and if you're fans of the show and you've listened before, you've heard other people say I'm a big fan of Two Broke Girls, and so that's why. I, I love Kat Dennings. I love Two Broke Girls. I think it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's, it's not a smart comedy. It's a raunchy comedy, but it's uh, very funny, and I enjoy it. So that's why I like Kat
2: Dennings. But moving no, I, on. I, she's good on that show, too. I just think her kind of humor belongs in a sitcom and not in, not in a Thor movie. Hmm. Disagree. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's, that's fine, and that's your opinion. Um, Gina, what did you think about Thor The Dark World?
4: Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to say Taste It, also very close to Tupperware, because sometimes I felt like certain situations didn't call for humor, and they kind of pushed it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sometimes I just feel like uh, they don't need to do so many gags to make something fantastic. Um, Let me think. I love that. As compared to the first movie, he didn't spend most of the movie trying to get his powers back. Like
3: great point that
4: kind of irritated me in the first movie. I like that he was himself the entire time. Um, yeah, that constant yeah, struggle Tim between Hiddleston him and Odin. What's that? Tom Hiddleston made it for me. Oh like, yeah. As soon as he came on, I'm like, okay, now it's a party.
5: Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and you I, saw I like you know, what I liked about Loki, too, was that you, you saw some vulnerable sides of Loki, where he was kind of giving in to being the brother or being hurt by something, you know, and showing emotion. Like, they really expanded that in very subtle ways, and that, that was really cool to see, so I agree with you on that.
4: I feel like Loki is one of the most sympathetic villains out there, because, you know, he you can understand, he feels betrayed, he was lied to, you know, his entire family was Destroyed or conquered, and then he was adopted by those conquerors. You know, I, right. I get him. So, but yeah. even though he's not a good guy by any means, you kind of root for him a little bit. So. <laughs>
5: yeah yeah and I think I think like you know kind of the resolution of his character in the movie kind of shows that <laughs> you can't necessarily really like this guy. um, I think they're gonna go places with that as well with what you know kind of how they ended that.
4: Oh my god, I loved that. And I guess
5: It was cool. It was a cool scene. my
4: mouth shut cuz I didn't want to yell out in the theater like, "Oh my god, he's not dead."
5: Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, we mentioned the spoilers, right?
3: Yeah, and we're going to get into spoilers. Let's uh let me give my rating and then I, I just then we'll just open this thing up. Okay. Um, I, this was a Tupperware for me all the way. I mean, you're you're dealing with a character in Thor that is very hard to do. Like Jay mentioned, like Man of Steel, Man, uh, a Superman movie is hard to do because Superman uh, he has this uh, history of being the most powerful uh, superhero in, on the planet. You know, he's dangerous. Uh, other superheroes are scared of him. Same thing with Thor. He's on a level like Superman. So how do you how do you uh threaten Thor. He's a god. And and I think this movie did show that. Uh, I felt that this movie was an upgrade from the first film in every possible way. Uh, There was more Thor because I feel like they had more trust in their star now. He is a legitimate star. In the first movie, they had to surround him with Anthony Hopkins and Natalie Portman, Rene Russo, all, uh, all these big names because he wasn't a big name. He was an unknown that they had gotten from Australia. So... Now Chris Hemsworth is a big star, so we got more Thor and we got more scenes with him and Loki because Tom Hiddleston is probably even a bigger star than he is at this point. Yeah, um, we even saw more Odin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we saw more Odin, Heimdall, and Frigga, which I thought was nice too, especially more Heimdall. I'm, I, I love, I love Idris Elba. Uh, it was nice to see some one on ones between him and Thor. Uh, they did a great job, in my opinion in tying the events from the Avengers film and making this feel like it set up things for the next Avengers film. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I disagree with Jake. I thought Cat Dennings was great as the comic relief. Um, this is a comic book movie. Comic books have humor in them. And well, that's what Loki's for. Everybody... Right. Well, no, 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 no. I Okay, then I guess Peter Parker shouldn't be funny. And and all these other characters no, that are funny... Sh-
4: Spider-Man is always funny. He, that's what I'm saying. Even in a comic.
3: Well, and there shouldn't... I guess there shouldn't be more than one smart, brilliant character in a comic book either. So we shouldn't... Reed Richards should be the only smart man in the comic. We can't have Bruce Banner be an intelligent man, or Tony Stark, or anybody else. No, each character, everybody is funny in their own way. And I thought Kat Denning's sense of uh, humor... She pulled it off the only way that she could, and I appreciated that.
4: I did like her sense of humor. I just felt like in certain certain scenes, like, you know, him walking in and saying, Loki is dead, <laughs> having Eric go, oh, thank God. I'm like, that didn't need to be.
3: Absolutely I mean, it crazy, did. This but. man, this man, Loki... Is the, is the reason that he's fucked up in the head, that yeah. Loki possessed him. He's the reason that he was running around Stonehenge naked like a jackass, because <laughs> this guy, a god, possessed his brain and controlled him. Oh my god, if somebody did that to me, I'd be thankful that they're dead too, because I'd be worried they'd come back. It's like a horror film in a comic book movie. Right.
4: So I agree about the reaction. I just felt like I don't think I would have reacted with like a humorous kind of...
3: But he was in his underwear. I you think- can't make
2: it not funny when
3: he's in his underwear.
2: <laughs> I thought that scene actually True, did play like- pretty funny. It, you know, it wasn't a slapstick joke. It was a, a natural response to, to the situation. and I thought that came off as funny. Yeah, he, it didn't it, seem forced like the, right. the Darcy stuff.
3: Well, I don't think that did either, but he felt relieved. You know, like, oh, and then, and then he remit, what's that?
4: I do get the relief. Yeah. Like, I get that. Like, I, I mean, I follow what you're saying. I just felt like, I don't know, I, I would have just liked to have seen him, like, slumped with relief or something like that, you know, like, oh, instead of, oh, um, sorry.
3: Yeah, well, we oh, did have that scene in the Avengers where, you know, like, um, Bruce Banner talks about how like he's a, a maniac and he, he's lost his mind and all that stuff. And then like – and doesn't Thor say something like, I don't like your tone. I don't like the way you speak.
4: Mm-hmm. And, then,
3: um, and, and then Black Widow says he killed all these people in New York and he's like, he's adopted.
1: <laughs> yeah right, right
3: so you know I mean there's there's humor in these things this is a comic book movie and I feel like either people are bitching about Man of Steel being too serious and gritty and not having any humor or these Marvel movies having too much humor there's never a, n- nobody's ever going to be happy but I you know what the, a lot of these things made me laugh I felt good and I also felt th- maybe it had to do with something like with the audience that I was watching it with the more people that are laughing the
2: more enjoyable the movie is for you and I think that has a lot to do with it too. So. Now, I thought the jokes that played with the heroes were funny, though. My problem was the. The stuff that was just needless that was funny, I like like the Darcy stuff. Like all the stuff with Thor and Loki and all the interplay between them was very funny. You're just upset
3: that Darcy was covered up and not showing any cleavage like she
2: does. <laughs> <laughs> If she would have been showing cleavage the whole time, you'd have been laughing. <laughs> Natalie, Port- Natalie Portman was in the movie, Brian. I didn't need to look, to look at any other women.
5: Well, Natalie the Por- mew, the <laughs> mew-mew part. I mean, come on. When she called the hammer mew-mew. Meow-meow. She Come called. On.
3: She called the hammer meow meow in the first movie too. I love it. Yeah, it was a I cra- love it. It was a great callback. I loved it too. Um, yeah. oh, hold on, hold on. Let me finish my little review and then we're gonna do, let's bust, <laughs> let's bust this thing wide open. Okay. Um, I I I like uh, Loki. Of course, was hilarious as always. Um, Stellan Skarsgård was hilarious in this movie, and uh, it was funny to see how he changed. You know, since the effects that, uh, what happened in New York. And I thought that was a great tie into the Avengers. Um, that's what I thought that Iron Man three was missing, except for the post traumatic stress disorder that he was going through. You know, Tony Stark was going through the whole time, but I thought this kept tying into the Avengers. So this felt like a, a, like a direct movie sequel. Like this should have happened right after the Avengers film. We shouldn't have seen Iron Man three. Um, now Natalie Portman, she was, uh, she was Natalie Portman. And um, that's all I can say. Um, Basically, Natalie Portman, she's the only woman who's made out with both Darth Vader and Thor. So congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Um, All in all, I think phase two actually started here. And I would just like to forget that Iron Man 3 ever happened. Oh, Iron Man 3 is not
5: that horrible. It's a piece of shit. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> this this did feel like the next lead-in you're right for sure more so than iron man th- way more so than iron man 3 thank you jay yeah uh, almost forgettable at this point at, at least someone has their wits about them tonight
2: <laughs> iron man's part of the iron man franchise you know what i'm saying the iron man comic book isn't a direct sequel to the avengers comic book
3: no you know what uh iron man 3 was a direct sequel of shane black's kiss kiss bang bang Okay. <laughs> that was not an Iron Man movie. That was a Shane Black movie first and an Iron Man movie second. Okay? That's what I, it was.
2: I disagree. Okay. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs>
3: uh, all right, back it up then. Back it up. okay, Jake, you know what? If 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 a lot of these things that happened in Iron Man 3 actually play out <laughs> in Avengers Age of Ultron, then
2: you're right. If they don't, they don't need to play out. That doesn't that doesn't justify whether I'm right or not. That they don't need to play out in Avengers Age of Ultron. They okay. need to play out in Iron Man 3. It's a self-contained movie. It's and it Iron was Man a, 3. You know,
3: it was a self-contained piece of shit, too. I didn't like <laughs> Okay, whatever. We're going to agree to disagree because I didn't like it. It was god-awful.
5: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. I think we all agree on that, right? Yeah. Taste it. Nah, uh, well, yeah. I take that back.
3: <laughs> Toss it. Toss that shit in the toilet and take a dump on it.
5: I took a second taste, and now I'm tossing it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Especially after seeing this.
3: Back to Thor 2. All right. So we got two Tupperwares and a taste it. Um, Now, did anyone else see this? I know one of you. One of you didn't see this in 3D. Who was it? I'm guessing Jake. I, I saw it in 3D. I didn't see it in 3D. Jay,
2: you son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> this
5: is the first one. All right, all right. I don't right. know why I did that, but I did. Yeah. So you
2: didn't get to see the Captain America dealy?
5: Um, no, Jay- I didn't see the Captain America. Okay, okay. I've seen that before, though. No, 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 no. Not you haven't seen the five minute trailer, Jay? No, I didn't. God it-
3: dang it! You guys saw that? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. <laughs> all right. All right. Fuck. <laughs> Gina, Gina, did I hear that you saw the 2D? I
4: did. I, I really don't typically like 3D because I don't like being told where to look.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it sounds like Jake. I, I agree with that, yeah. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Gina.
4: I, I, mean, I did gravity because you're in space and there's not a whole lot of background to look at. But like, like trying to watch Lord of the Rings or a movie like this in 3D – There's so much going on and there's so much detail put in everywhere. I don't want it blurred out in the background.
3: Yeah, some people uh, some people like the 3D some people don't i don't think hollywood has 100% mastered how to you know take advantage of 3D i think directors like alfonso cuaron of course for gravity has uh, you know uh, and there ha- there are other directors that have worked with it uh, the hugo movie did it quite well in some other movies but not everybody's done it i don't think that this movie was necessary to see in 3D but you know what you you missed out on the 5 minute cap trailer and that's all i have to say and i think that
2: just just to see that was worth the price of admission for the 3d would you disagree with me jake yeah that's how they suckered me in. i can't disagree it was i wasn't going to see the 3d and then i heard if i did i got to see a five minute extended trailer for captain america and it it was worth the extra two bucks
3: absolutely absolutely son of a bitch dude that that elevator scene was just fucking amazing it was
2: great (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was was a great trailer. It was a little bit of a mix of what they showed at Comic-Con but with a little bit of a different ending to it. The scenes at the end were a lot different. Okay,
5: because I saw the Comic Con stuff, so I I I just thought that I'd seen it already, basically, and I was wrong. Yeah, okay. It was about half of the Comic Con trailer with about half new stuff we haven't seen. Uh, I'm gonna have to go see it again, so I guess yeah, that's
3: fine. <laughs> okay. Guys, I'll I'll admit it. I went and saw this movie yesterday in three D and I went again and saw it today in two D. So I've seen oh, Thor, okay I've seen Thor twice now. Um, but yeah, uh, watching the, I saw, I got to see both cap trailers and it's like, yeah, I, that, uh, the 2D showing was about three and a half minutes shy of what you saw in the five minute cap trailer. So. Ah, oh, mother fuck.
2: <laughs> Now, what'd you think about the 2D Thor, Brian? Did you, did. You saw them both. Did 3D really do much for you?
3: Yeah, I, I thought. I, I don't think it was necessary, but there were some scenes in Asgard where you got to see the depth. I thought Asgard really kind of popped in 3D. I, I really did. Um, other than that, um, the only other thing that I can say that was really cool. I was really into the movie. There was one point, and I'm going to admit it, and I don't give a shit. There was one point where Thor threw his hammer directly at the screen. I admit, I did jump in the 3D. <laughs> like I looked over. Oh, I looked over at my girlfriend. She didn't move a fuck inch <laughs> and here I am I'm like dodging Mjolnir I'm like shit <laughs>
2: that's cool I I saw Thor 1 in 3d and it's actually the movie that really soured me on post-production 3d it was one of the muddiest blurriest 3d movies I've ever seen in the theater so I was kind of trepidatious going into the second one but it was a lot better of a job on the 3d than the first one was that's, yeah. Actually,
4: the first 3D movie I saw was the last Underworld movie, and I don't know. I just really haven't cared for it since then.
2: Oh my yeah, gosh! So yeah. It was Underworld. <laughs> what are they on now? F- six. Yeah, they, they've
5: gone a little too far. <laughs> I do like Underworld. I'm not knocking Underworld, but um,
3: in this movie, we were promised that between the two Thor films, that we would see all nine realms. Right. Um, we were. Uh, said that we were going to see Do they mean the
4: circles in the sky
3: thank you exactly that's what i was getting that's what i'm getting to i mean when they said that we'd get to see all nine realms i didn't think they meant as floating portals but they didn't lie to us you know
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I did
3: not lie. <laughs> if you're not familiar with all the nine realms, there's Muspelheim, which is the home of the fire demons, uh Alfheim, which is the home of the Light Elves, Vanaheim, which oh, we did see a little bit of Vanaheim in this film. It's the home of Veneer, uh, who are the sister race of the Asgardians and the Trolls, which was uh the home of uh Hogan, which we saw in this film, who's one of the Warriors three. Um right. Asgard, home of the Asgardians, of course. Midgard is Earth. Uh, Jotunheim is, uh, or is it Jotunheim? Jotunheim. 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 Yo- it's a, yeah, one of those, uh, weird J's, uh, YJ.
4: Sorry, I'm half Norwegian. I'm kind of picky about. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wait, 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 excuse me, and I, I apologize to all of our Norwegian listening audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is only me and Sven. <laughs> <laughs> Jotunheim, which is the home of the Frost Giants. Stop, Olga. Uh, there's Niflheim, which is the home of the Frost Trolls. Uh, Svartalheim, which is... We saw this, which was that barren, fucked up the home of the Dark Elves that we saw a lot of. Yeah. Uh, and then Helheim, which is the realm of the dead. Um, and then... Uh, so I, I want, Let's jump into the movie a little bit, I, guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. The dark elves in this movie, when they were explaining the exposition, they said that the dark elves. Dark elves were they the oldest society? Were they an older society and race than Asgard? Yes. Okay. So that's then why they are fighting to make the other arms, uh, the other realms dark in this film. Correct.
5: Yeah, they they said yeah. that they wanted to make it the way it used to be before the light. Right. A lot of right. people have been saying that they didn't
3: understand why Malekith was so hellbent on revenge in the first place. Um, so because like in the when you first see it, like he's doing this evil act and trying to do this what we'll explain the convergence and he was stopped. Right from uh, was it Bor who was Odin's father? Yeah. Okay. So right. he was stopped in the act of doing this convergence, and a lot of people didn't understand like why he was so hell bent on revenge. Well, the reason is because that they feel that they are the original race, the original dark race, and that this is the way all realms should be. Am I correct?
2: Yeah, you're correct. Okay. I can see why people were confused, though. The, the first 15 minutes of the movie was just like an exposition bomb. It was. Yeah. It, it was a lot to hang on to at first. At you,
4: without going into any depths on any of it, so... I don't know. I
5: kind of felt like it was like Lord of the Rings, the first one. I mean, I think you kind of already knew that. Well, I mean, I guess not everybody. <laughs> Lord of the Rings is a pretty big exposition yeah. <laughs> bomb at the very first fifteen minutes,
2: too. <laughs> right, but
5: I kind of felt like they explained it pretty well. But that, I mean, that's just me. I don't. I I read all these comics, so maybe that's just me.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I like I like the Star Wars way of storytelling, where we learn the exposition through the actions instead of we're gonna. You know, The Matrix is horrible at that too, where we have to pause all the action and pound you with exposition for 10 minutes. We can't do both at the same time.
5: Right. And I I think that that's some of Alan Taylor's. He had some problems with it. And, you know, of course, Marvel had the final cut, you know, they had the final say on how this was, edited and cut and I think he kind of wanted it to be more not so in your face up front but I I, I thought it did a good job of explaining I understood the Dark Elves plight as well as you know why they were doing what they were doing against Asgard and everybody else well you
3: open up a comic book and what do you see exposition in the, in the last episode and they'll explain like in this little side box like what's going on and then they'll jump into the dialogue with the characters just like a comic book
2: yeah yeah I so. mean, I hear you. I don't. I don't give movie-going audiences as much credit, though, as they give comic book readers. Yeah, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, let's see here. So, you know, I, a lot of people have not been able to understand why Malekith was so hell bent on revenge, and I think I think they did a pretty good job explaining that. Um, so basically, the whole plot of this is Malekith wants to get uh, this uh, liquid. Called the Aether. Is
5: it Aether?
2: or Ether? I thought it was Ether. It could be Aether. Though. They
5: pronounce it Ether. It's spelled Aether.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it has that spelled. funky A, capital yeah, A, yeah.
2: capital E thing. So right.
5: this stuff,
3: I guess, when possessed by Malekith, he's supposed to be able to once there, once every how many years is it? Thousands of years or so? Like the planets,
1: like 5,000
3: 5, years. The realms are aligned that uh, he can take advantage and use this ether. To darken all of the realms and make all of these realms uh, a, a dark universe, uh, the way it should be, according to you know the Dark Elves. Uh, and so that's what he's wanting to get his hands on. And that's what the Asgardians are fighting to keep him from using. And then that's when Boar Odin's uh, a, uh, father stops him. They kind of, uh, what, like basically like t- uh, transport it, teleport it out of there with Asgardian magic, yeah. and get it out of there. And then Malekith, uh, it it shows how. Fucked up, he is when he sacrifices his own people that are in those ships. He just crashes them all, and then one ship escapes. And then people think all oh, the dark elves are you know gone, and and people forget about them. And then he's the only one left with his little group of the dark elves, and they spend uh, was they'd probably spend five thousand years then you know
2: regrouping. Yeah, that was fucked up how he used his whole fleet basically as a decoy for him himself to escape.
5: he was basically the last one left his ship
3: yeah
2: Yeah.
3: well even in the comic books he's crazy he he's a madman in the comic books uh his dark elves the ones that didn't rescue him after in the comic books odin like banishes him to like this you know prison and the ones that did not rescue him and come to his aid he comes back and kills them in vengeance so that's just how malekith the character is he's fucking crazy
5: Right, and it shows you what his his view or version of the, you know, Nine Realms would be, which is very awful. You know, like hell on earth kind of stuff. That's right. what I took from it. Yeah.
2: Did anyone think Malekith looked a little bit Voldemorty for the first half of the movie until the face <laughs> <Yeah>. altercations happened?
4: <laughs> yeah, I made that comparison too. I'm like, ah, he still has a nose.
2: Yeah, he still has a nose. I wasn't thinking... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, I was excited when his face changed a bit, and I was like, "All right, that's a little bit better."
3: I was thinking more. There was like more comparisons, to, for, like to this movie to Star Wars and Lord of the Rings.
2: Absolutely, I'm not comparing the movies. Just Malakith's look.
3: Well, Malekith, he reminded me of Sauron trying to get the Aether, which was Sauron trying to get the uh, the ring.
2: Right. And, no, yeah, I agree with that. And
3: then, you know, later on we find out that Jane Foster ha- uh, possesses the aether. Little, so yeah, now absorbed it. Yeah, now she's Bilbo. <laughs> or no, <laughs> yeah. she's she's Frodo.
5: Right. <laughs> and uh yeah, I don't know. I, I really really like I liked him as as a villain. Um I liked the whole Dark Elf crew. Um their ships were awesome. The the mm-hmm. kind of cryo cryogenic uh, you know uh, things they had when they were healing or just kind of in stasis. I thought all that looked really cool and did there you know te- there's did their tech technolo- oh,
3: Yeah, did their technology to you did it not look like a mixture of Prometheus meets the Predator?
5: Yeah. Technology. Absolutely. Wow, there call. there were so many scenes when I when they were doing like the digital readouts like the lights would light yeah. up, and I'm like, that looks exactly like the Predators yeah, wrist guard. Yeah, and then and then
3: <laughs> and then when uh when they first showed Malekith like five thousand years later, you know, and he's got like that uh that armor on, he's like connected to that machine inside their yeah. ship, that looked very Prometheus.
5: Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, very Geiger, some of that stuff. Yeah. 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 I love the design. I loved it, and and I love the sci-fi element of the of the film. You know, I, I Thor is all about that for me. It's got to be kind of Star Wars and like Buck Rogers, and you know, mixed with Norse gods. That's science, what it is. And science, they did a good job. Science and magic,
2: man. Right. I um I really loved the uh, black hole grenades that the Dark Elves. Those had. were
5: cool as shit. <laughs> That's an awesome.
2: Awful weapon. I don't know technically what they were called. If they ever had a tech name
5: in the movie. Yeah, like sucked you in and like grinded you up into pieces. Yeah, they kind of
2: uh-huh. opened up and kind of imploded everything around them. Yeah, that, that was, was
5: awful. That was really.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was very cool.
4: How did you feel about the appearance of the elves and this as compared to like the second Hellboy?
3: Oh wow! Yeah, you're right. Uh, the uh, The Golden Army movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very familiar. That very similar. Yeah, that's good That's point. what I was
4: thinking when I was watching. Because I actually, I, Hellboy. I oh, love Hellboy. Oh, yeah. I love Hellboy. And I, I kept thinking that the the appearance of the elves was very similar.
3: Yeah, I agree. Now, now that you, now, I didn't think of it when I saw the movie, but now that you mention it, yes, very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, That the, the mask that they wore, very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we have Loki. Uh, they show the, the scene with Loki in the handcuffs. Um, right. I found out that this was one of the re, the uh, Joss Whedon reshoots that uh, Alan Taylor had called him in for.
5: Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there like two of them and this yeah. was one? Yeah, this was
3: uh, one of the scenes that he had a hard time getting down. So he called Whedon in to reshoot this scene. It was the scene with Loki in handcuffs where he talks to Frigga and then he talks to Odin. Right. Uh, Odin actually- what was the
2: other scene, guys? Do you know? What's that? What was the other Whedon scene? Do you know?
3: I don't know. Uh, no, I don't know. If either. I had to guess, I would say it was some of the comedy scenes between um, later on. You know, Chris O'Dowd from Br- mm-hmm. Bridesmaid. He's I think he's isn't he isn't he Irish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have I to love say.
4: Him. Yeah,
3: I'd have to say it was from some the, of
4: the from the IT crowd.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say that his scenes were some of the Josh Whedon because it was very Josh Whedon humor. But I could be wrong.
5: It felt like it, like it was just. It seemed like way too witty to be just Alan Taylor stuff. it, yeah, it definitely yeah. seemed like Whedon, and it was it was good scenes. You yeah. know, he's a, he's a total minor character in this movie, and it, it was really good. A lot Arthur's of the scenes shot. that were reshot
3: were Loki scenes and o- the, uh, Loki scenes, and then the Odin scenes. So, um, I, I'm glad that they. were – I love
4: when she's in that that where she's on her phone and she's so shocked that she's getting reception. I kept waiting for him to go. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. <laughs>
5: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah for sure
3: but I like that too because you also have
5: the jealous looks from Thor right right oh, yeah. who are you talking to <laughs> right don't you know who I am like, so who is this? and she's <laughs> like oh please <laughs>
3: um, now you know I, I thought it was interesting when Odin told uh, him that uh, Frigga was the only reason he was still alive right and then basically says yes Thor will be king
5: yeah. yeah, that was a brutal moment. That was a big turning point, I think, for Loki. I think that played itself out, Anab- as we've seen in the yeah. end of the movie. Yeah, Ex- exactly. And th- maybe he shouldn't have told him all that. No, absolutely <laughs> not. You know, I, Loki's always kind of on the ropes about things, it seems like, and uh, I think this kind of pushed him over the edge, that statement.
3: Now, we got to see a really cool uh, fight with uh, Sif and the Warriors Three, and then Thor, they're fighting on uh, Vanaheim, and they're trying to restore peace there. Um, It's the scene where Sif says, I've got this completely under control. And then Thor looks at her and says, is that why everything is on fire?
2: (laughs) And then they showed an exterior shot, and I found nothing on fire.
5: It was all on fire, Jake.
2: (laughs) Damn it.
4: (laughs) It was on fire. There were trees. Okay,
2: okay. You
3: know know what's on fire? This fucking podcast is on fire. It's on fire. Oh, shit, always. (laughs) Always. (laughs) <laughs> anyway whatever anyway um did you guys think that in that scene that there was a little bit of flirting with that they were do- that they were having fighting together like you know yes. they're fighting together that's there's kind of a little bit of uh, a tension between them maybe you know what I mean
4: well, I agree that's how they do flirt i think with in the in the other stuff that I've seen of Thor, it's actually the one that he ends up being with isn't it it I feel yeah, like but I've seen like um, animations and and other media of Thor where that's who he ends up connecting with.
3: Sure, and, and well, I mean, and and but to see the Marvel cin- cinematic universe ha- has not gone away from shying away from what they've done in the comic book. They will take things in different directions. You know, in in the comic book right now, Jane Foster has actually got cancer, and she's right. dying, and. You know, in this recent issue, a couple issues ago, she told Thor, it "Was like I'm going to go here. I'm going to talk to these clerics. I'm going to talk to the Asgardian, uh, you know, some Asgardian scientists, and, and 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 we'll find some magic or some root or some berry or something that'll like uh, heal you." And she's like, "No, Thor, you fight your battles. I, this is my battle. So right. you know, I mean, well, we see that in, in the Thor."
2: Marvel Cinematic Universe? Probably not. I mean, things are going to be different. Um, right from the go, they're different. I mean, even in the comic, Jane Foster was more Thor's human alias's love interest, Donald Blake's love interest. Right. And it wasn't until way later on that it became Thor, and the movie kind of skipped all that Donald Blake stuff as it is. Yeah. I, don't,
3: I don't think they know exactly what they're doing yet with, th- with Thor and this love triangle. Um, maybe more of it will play out if they do have a Thor three. Um, and I I don't know. We'll get more into, I I thought that I, you know, I, and I've said before that I thought that this, and spoiler alert, I thought in this movie that I thought there was a chance that if Jane Foster is going to die, I thought it was going to be in this movie. And I mean, they even kind of set it up that way. Once she got possessed by that Aether stuff, you thought like in order to get that out of her, she's going to die.
2: Yeah. I thought oh, she yeah. was totally gonna die. I, I've read stuff that Natalie Portman didn't want to be in any movies after this. No, and she so, she's there for a paycheck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I totally I thought they were gonna whack her off of this movie. What's that? I totally I thought they were gonna mind. whack her off this movie. You guys are both talking at the same
3: time. It's like no, that's, it's like I feel like I'm a father trying to talk
2: to two kids. I only heard one person talking. Was Gina trying to talk to?
3: Yeah. Jake, let your sister talk, damn it. (laughs) Gina, what do you have to say?
4: I love her as a scientist, with her being actually published in scientific journals and speaking multiple languages. Like, I like her playing smart characters.
3: Oh, yeah. I thought it was great when she was talking to the Asgardian scientists, and she was like, "Um, so it's a quantum field generator? And they're like, no, it's a molecular (laughs) something or other. And she's like, so does it do this? And they're like yeah? And she's like, yeah, it's a quantum field generator. <laughs> yeah.
5: This is one of her most funnest, I think, I, where I really enjoyed watching her in this. It felt like she loosened up a lot with the character, and and um, you know, she was, she's, she was a little stiff, I think, in the first one, and of course in Star Wars, and I think she really loosened up and, and came into her own on this, and I really liked that. But, I think they did kind of hint at that she, you know, she's a mortal. She's mortal, and so, at some point, you know she's going to die into into someone like Thor, who lives thousands and thousands of years. You know that's just like minutes. You know, so I, I think they kind of hinted at that 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 might be a possibility later on. But um, I think she'll be around for a while still in these movies. Well, at the end of the movie, we find out why she has to be around, and it makes sense for the future films.
3: So, right, right. Um, Did you guys think that there was enough of the
2: Warriors 3 in this movie? Were you happy with that, or do you think there could have been more? There could have been more, but I never thought about it while watching the movie.
5: Well, I I don't know. Like um, for me, you know, it seemed like I liked what they had in the movie with them. I thought it was definitely more than the than the first one. They developed those characters a little more. You got to care about them a little more and (laughs) kind of see what kind of see what their worth is as a team. You know,
3: they sent they sent Hogan to Van and said, "Fuck you,
5: dude. You're not going to be in the later." (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, some of it felt like it was kind of. You know, just thrown out there, but for the most part I was pretty pleased with it.
3: Yeah. Um, I I do I you know, being a fan of like Journey in the Mystery and shit like that, dude, I was hoping to see a little bit of more of Olstag and Hogan and Foundrel and and Sif and all that, but you know, there's only so much screen time. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Less Darcy, more Bolstag.
3: There wasn't a lot of Darcy to begin with, to be honest with you. I don't think she was no, like <laughs>
4: And we're back to this.
3: <laughs> yeah, let's get, let's get off the whole. Are we going to? Is this a Cat Dennings fucking podcast? Can we talk about? I mean, come on, come on. I mean, yeah,
4: Brian can do that. Podcast, uh, Brian can do that podcast all on his own.
3: I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that podcast all on my own. I'm going to have a true, two broke girls podcast. Two <laughs> cast.
2: Yeah. You two broke bro- cast.
3: Exactly. <laughs> um, we got to see the uh, battle was. Are, People are saying that that was Korg. Are you guys 100% confident that that was Korg? I'm not 100% confident that that was Korg. They were not chanting Korg. It it sounded like they were chanting, like, Warpath.
5: Yeah, it, it could have been any of his race. So I don't think they just like demolished that guy. He wasn't. He wasn't like that in the comic books where he's right. just like one hit and he's done.
2: Right. <laughs> I think it was a little bit of a visual shout out to the nerds, but nothing more than that. Yeah. I don't think it was supposed to be the specific character. Right. Yeah. And that, but yeah, that was, was a, more
4: like a side wink.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was funny when Fandral says, uh, he, it was pretty obvious after he did it, he says, uh, perhaps next time we should start with the big one. Cause that, yeah. that, that like ended the battle that reminded me of that scene in Troy where bad, Brad Pitt just kicked that one, you know, seven foot dude's ass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, th- that was a very cool moment. I, I, in the trailer, I wish they wouldn't have finished it. I wish, you know, like in the trailer they actually show him like, you know, you know, uh, beating that dude into rocks into into rubble. I wish they would have kind of just like left it, you know, to our imagination. And then when we saw it in the theater, it would have been a lot funnier.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah, shouldn't have spoiled um, that one. Don't watch the
3: trailers. Like,
4: uh, the boyfriend went with, and he looked at me right after that scene. He goes, "I feel like that was ruined for me because I already saw it."
3: Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 Um now then we get uh, the scene, you know, Thor tells that H- Hogan to stay with his people, and that's why we don't see him for the rest of the film. It was a really short thing, but he tells him to stay there in Vanaheim, and I was kind of upset by that. I, I wanted to see more Hogan yeah. in this film.
5: Yeah, yeah, that that was a disappointing kind of, like, throwaway moment. Like, we need to do something with this character, and, you know, they, they the, the other warriors still had their moments, you know, where they got to shine a little bit. He didn't necessarily, <laughs> unfortunately. Did you have something to say about that, Gina?
4: I just – it's kind of like putting him in timeout. Like, okay, you sit over here now. We're going to go have an adventure.
3: Yeah, yeah. there's going to be a scene later when – We see, uh, but not until like way, 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 way at the end of the film.
2: Yeah. (laughs) He got the Hawkeye treatment a little bit.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So a lot of people complained about the way Asgard looked in the first film. Okay. I myself did not really like the way it looked. Uh, I thought that it looked like the Emerald City. It was too shiny. It looked too episode one with everything shiny and pretty. Um, I felt this looked a lot better. Um, it mixed in, you know, the new with the old, and but a lot of scenes
2: didn't it look a lot like Naboo in Star Wars? I was just getting ready to bring this up. I had a really strong Star Wars feeling with this movie, um, with the scene with Natalie Portman getting romantic with Thor, with yeah. all the scenery in the background yeah. looking just like fucking Naboo. Yeah. And then we cut to B-wings flying through the city and turrets trying to shoot him down. It was, it was like, oh, my God, is this Star Wars or Thor? Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. But I liked it. I liked seeing Thor Thor- that kind of defy fi totally element in, in the better. Thor movie. It was unexpected, and I, I liked it quite a lot. You guys are talking over each other. Like,
3: Jake is talking at the same time Gina's talking. It's really... I
2: don't hear, I don't hear Gina talking is my problem.
4: I hear yeah. him, so maybe I'll shut up.
2: No, 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 no. Be louder is the, is is the deal. I think.
5: Yeah, it's not that you're not talking. It's just that the we don't hear you when you're coming in. I think.
4: Okay.
2: Awkward
3: moment. <laughs> it's not awkward. supposed to be.
4: <laughs>
2: moment. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this awkward moment a Tupperware. <laughs> 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 As far as the awkward moments go on the podcast, it's one of the better ones. Every moment with you, Jake, is an awkward moment. Oh, I wish you were closer so I could hug you.
1: Uh,
2: awkward moment. That would
4: be awkward.
2: Yeah, extremely awkward.
3: Um,
4: of the funny scenes in the movie, what was your favorite?
3: Oh, favorite funny scene in a movie. Somebody else jump in because I'm thinking.
2: I think, um... Loki and Thor's conversation on the ship with, um, Loki saying, well, isn't, you know, we know what they expected us to do is fight. And just, I thought that was pretty funny. Just did all Loki's dialogue there.
3: I like, well, I like uh, Loki's dialogue when they hijacked the, uh, dark elf warship and, uh, He's like, oh, I, you know, I, I think you missed a column there, Thor, because like Thor's like knocking down columns with that <laughs> thing, <laughs> and then he's flying along, and he, de- and then he, uh, he runs into that um, statue and cuts its head <laughs> off, and he's like, I think he just decapitated our great grandfather.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> And then Kat Dennings later on when she was uh, after that, there's that gravitational field in the uh, Convergence and that Ian, the intern, he takes that vehicle and like kills those dark elves and like yeah. they, they cut and you see her kissing him later. I thought that was hilarious.
5: I I personally liked the cave. Uh, that was the funniest moment for me when they get into the cave. And like, why are all these shoes here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and then so it
4: was he's walking into the apartment, and he hangs he hangs the hammer up on awesome. the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: that was great too.
2: That was funny. I thought it played a lot better not having the thing fall apart either. I, I, I remember a buddy of mine saying, why didn't it just break the whole thing? And I I, I don't think that would have played for as good of a laugh. Right?
3: No, no, absolutely not. Um,
4: I thought it was funny. It was like seeing a big cat try to play with like a little tiny toy or something. Like he was trying to domesticate himself. <laughs>
3: right. He right. Just, <laughs> yeah, he just saw everybody else hanging their coat up there. <laughs> so he's He's hanging Mjolnir up there it's pretty funny <laughs> um but I thought ultimately like uh back to the look of Asgard I liked it I thought it was great
5: yeah I mean even like Odin's uh eyepiece you you see kind of early on it's like all gold but later on it's tarnished like kind of rusty around the edges you know there was a lot of attention to detail this time I like that okay question
3: um Okay, watching the movie, watching the original trailer when it first came out months and months ago, when you saw Sif look at Jane Foster, and we saw that scene in the movie, it looked like that Sif was giving her, like, this dirty look. But when you watched the movie, did it really play out that way? It really didn't. Go go ahead, ahead, Gina.
4: Gina. No, it really didn't. And I actually thought that was kind of funny... With that particular actress, because, again, back in Kyle XY, she was always, like, this jealous girl. She wanted to be with Kyle. Kyle wanted someone else. I'm like, oh, great. She's been typecast. But actually watching the movie, she doesn't really come off that way.
3: Yeah, it almost was like she, like, she, you know you know, she wants to be with Thor. But at the same time, she, I think that she went out of her way to protect Jane Foster – Just to make Thor happy, if that's what he wants, I think Sif honestly loves Thor so much that she's like willing to just say, hey, if you want to be with her, whatever. But, um, you know, I think Sif, you know, is also always also thinking, you know, I hope one day Thor will come around and, and, uh, you know, I'll be the love interest.
2: Or just have a three way.
4: She's going to outlive Jane.
3: Yeah, she is going to outlive Jane. And Jake, you're a pig.
5: (laughs) <laughs> but you know yeah I, go, go ahead, ahead jay i i agree i i just think that i think she knows her time frame and so she knows that she she can be patient about this but she does deep down you know in a way doesn't want this to happen but at the same time knows that thor loves jane foster so therefore she needs to look after her so I, I think they, they played it a little bit. I was expecting more after seeing the, seeing the trailers of involvement with that, I guess. But um, I did like how they did that. And, and I did like that she took the high road in this and said, hey, you know what? You love her. I'll, I'll protect you. I'll, I'll protect her. I'll look out for your interests. Yeah. But, but I am going to be around. Just keep that in mind, you know, kind of that thing. I think what
3: we're going to see here is in the next few weeks, Jake is going to be producing a movie called Menage
5: Thor. Menage <laughs> mignon.
3: Yeah. Okay. He's laying down the hammer one last time.
2: um
3: Let's see here. uh I I thought Chris O'Dowd, even though he was only in a couple scenes, I thought he was fantastic in this movie. I think Gina That's would agree so with funny. me. So funny. Yeah, he was hilarious. I, I- love that. But what did you think about the date scene when they were on the date originally him and uh Jane Foster remember they're 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 in the they're in the uh, uh restaurant she's got her head buried behind the menu <laughs>
4: um, I've been on a couple of those awkward dates <laughs> I was feeling for her. <laughs> um i like the way he diffused it though he didn't act all awkward back he just kind of made fun of himself yeah
3: he wasn't a creepy dude by any means it wasn't like one of those dates where like it's like i can understand why the hell she wanted to get out of there but i think her mind was somewhere else anyway and even though he was a cool guy i think that it was it's not gonna work i mean he's got he's got thor to compete with right now and that's just until thor says
4: not fair
2: exactly it's not fair um, Natalie Portman's a jerk like that <laughs> yes
5: <laughs> it it almost seemed it, it felt like a blind date you know kind of situation and like yeah he was really cool and diffusing that and, and kind of playing coy about the whole situation I kind of felt like um, I kind of felt like he had an ulterior motive though as to why he's with James Foster I don't know if you guys Like felt that way too it felt like he you know when she got the phone call he was just kind of like listening in he was like oh that's interesting didn't it it seemed like to me like he was there with some preconceived notions about who jane foster was and possibly her involvement with you know supernatural super powerful things he was a dark elf spy i don't think he was a dark (laughs) elf spy i i don't know it just seemed like I don't think he was a wasted character. I think there's a reason he was in that. I think Um, you're reading way too much into him. I I don't. I I don't. I just felt like he knew what was going on the moment that date started. He wasn't on a date. He was there to get information from what what I picked up from it at least. I didn't get that. I I thought that he was just there to –
3: uh i you know show her that there's other guys that's interested in her and then later on get that reaction out of thor i just thought that he was just one of he was just there to play that part i don't think that he's got this big part in a future marvel film or in thor
2: 3 or anything like that um how did they end up on that date is like uh jane foster on pof or something what's going on <laughs> I don't know.
3: I, may, maybe Jay's. I, I don't know. Maybe Jay's right. Maybe he's working for Shield or something and keeping tabs on her. I don't know, but just just seems odd to me.
5: Do they work in the same office or something? Or. I don't think so. It just, like I said, it seemed like a blind date and it was just kind of weird that that was even going on. I mean, I guess, you know, Jane, Jane had been kind of lonely cause Thor was gone. You know, she hadn't seen him. She didn't see him when he was in New York. She just saw pictures of him or you know, televised stuff. So maybe she was looking for somebody else at that point, but it just, I don't know. It just didn't fit right for me without it kind of being like, this guy has kind of inside knowledge of what's going on.
3: What about any of, Gina, what did you think? Did you think it was a harmless date, or did you think there was more going on with that? Because I never thought that I, I watching really it.
4: I didn't pick up on anything. I mean, now that it's been mentioned, I'm like, well, maybe he works for S.H.I.E.L.D. But I really just thought maybe it was one of those, he ran into her, he thought she was pretty, and he probably badgered her to death to go out to dinner, and she probably relented. Because it didn't look like something she set up for herself.
5: Yeah, but again, you got to think like somebody as likable as Chris O'Dowd, you know, is he going to only be in one movie? Because he really did make an impact for not doing too much in this. That's what I, you know, I kind of feel like there's something bigger for him. I don't know what it is.
3: Well, I just felt like he was kind of like uh, the Rain Wilson character in Transformers 2. Like he was just there for a little bit of comic relief and to play that part that and maybe make Thor jealous a little bit. That, yeah, there's guys on Earth that are interested in her. You need to leave Asgard and you need to be
5: on Earth and be with Jane Foster. That's all I got from it. Right. That, that could be true too. Yeah. And, and you're not just going to throw some nobody at Natalie Portman as far as, you know, that character is going to be. So I, I guess that, that makes sense too.
3: Well, I mean, as, and, and we know that, you know, what happens at the end of the film, that it has a lot to do with Thor being, you know, in, uh, in London now or uh, Greenwich with her now. So.
5: Right. Right.
3: Yeah. I just think it, that's what it played a part in. I don't think it's like, a bigger element to what's going to happen in the future with Thor. Um, but that's just my opinion. And I may be wrong. I'm I might eat crow on that one. Um, what did you guys think about the character of curse?
5: Awesome. Love curse. Loved him from the get go. Um, uh, you know, there, there was some scenes I thought like, maybe this isn't going to work out. Like, cause he's in th- prosthetics, you know, he's got the whole costume on basically. It's not CG or anything. Um, but I thought he was a cool threat. I thought he was a cool villain, uh, definitely powerful, and you know somebody that could kick the shit out of Thor. That was really cool to see, and not you know not like the the first villain from the first Thor, the, the Eradicator or whatever. This the this is de- more the of a destroyer. Threat to Thor. The destroyer. right, the destroyer. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I I thought he was really cool, and, you know, he basically sacrificed himself to become this uh, monster, basically, that, that, you know, could take on the Asgardians. And, uh, you know, I thought that was really cool, I, you know, with with and and with Curse, you know, you had a really strong, you know, possibility that things were going to go really, really bad, especially after he was, you know, taken to the prison and wreaked havoc there, you know, in the dungeons. Yeah, that was a very cool scene. Gina, what did you think about Curse?
4: I love the idea that the only way they can be powerful is to sacrifice themselves. It makes the power that they gain that much more interesting.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, Oh,
4: everybody in our race is super strong. It's, we have to give something up to have this.
3: Right. Yeah. Which is basically your life. Yeah. Who you were.
2: Jake, uh, did you, were you impressed by curse? Yeah, I did. Um, I didn't know. I don't know if you knew this. I'm not going to try to pronounce the actor's name because it's a, it's a big one. But it's the same guy that played Mr. Echo and Lost that actually did that character.
3: He also was in. A, he played a small part, I think, in G.I. Joe: Retaliation as well. So. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, I kept thinking as I was watching it. I mean, I I thought it was cool. Uh, you know, he's kicking Thor's ass, and I mean, he literally pounded Thor's head into the ground at one point in this movie. Uh, he looked terrifying. He, he looked like a horror creature in certain parts. I kept thinking he also—he looked kind of like the Urukai from Lord of the Rings meets Predator.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm, yeah, that's uh, a good comparison. And uh, a lo- honestly, a lot of the Dark Elves' armor looked very Lord of the Rings-esque. To me. Oh yeah, uh, but throughout well, this well, whole, mean,
4: th- when you hear elves, you hear you think of certain things. Sure. In head, so I feel like they were just sticking to what. People would expect,
3: sure. and that makes sense. It's not like they're tr- trying to bite off of it, but they're not trying to change what people think about these either.
4: Right. Just going back to Hellboy, I mean, just seeing seeing the way they portray the elves and that, it's exactly what I was pictured.
3: Right. It's and it's not that like they're trying to bite off of everything. Maybe they're paying homage to it in in, in certain ways. Uh, the entire time, though, I am watching um, Curse kick his ass basically i'm thinking to myself thor holds his own against the hulk and
4: i
5: honestly can't
3: see this thing taking the hulk
4: no
5: yeah i thought about that too that's a good point yeah but at the same time it's like well maybe he is you know a little bit more powerful than the hulk but i don't know fuck that no the way he took down Curse, I don't – yeah, I don't really think so. You can't j- jab a spear through uh, Curse or through the Hulk, I mean. No. No. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he did kick the shit out of him though.
2: Maybe Thor was mentally distracted with uh, Jane Foster going on other dates with other men.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Could be part of the problem. <laughs>
5: maybe yeah he well he almost got like taken off his feet you know like taken off his guard i think that's kind of when the ass kicking started what was that gina
4: i i think maybe he just had gotten overconfident i mean you see him basically knock the guy down at the beginning with one strong punch He probably maybe just didn't expect something to have that much fight back in it
3: Well, I mean, at the beginning of the, uh, not at the beginning of the movie, but in the middle of the movie, I'd say like the second act, there was a part where you know he threw Milnor at Curse, and Milnor just bounced off of Curse's back. Right. That that was right after. Yeah, that was right after uh, Malakith killed. Frigga, which was another huge scene in this movie.
4: That was my yeah. next question. You thought about the Frigga fight scene and then Loki's reaction to his mother's oh,
3: death. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Loki's reaction to Frigga dying, which, okay, Frigga, I'll say this much. She can hold her own with a knife.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great to see Rene Russo get into ass. that kind of stuff. Very cool. <laughs> How did you think about that, Gina?
3: Was that pretty cool?
4: I loved her fight scene. I just kept thinking, like, that's a mama bear fighting for her people.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and at the same time, protecting Thor's, well, quote-unquote, girlfriend, who she's right. never really met before. And, uh, you know, when she's killed, I, I thought it was pretty badass when Thor, you know, H- Thor, like, hits Malekith in the face with that bolt of lightning, and that's what burns the half of of Malekith's face that we see in the rest of the movie. That's when he hits, you know, curse in the back with Mjolnir, the hammer. And then, I mean, did anybody else in this movie before seeing this, or even, you know, when that fight scene started, did anybody expect to see Frigga die in this?
2: No, absolutely not. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen. I, the possibility crossed my mind once the fight sequence happened, but not until. No. Gina?
4: No, I really didn't expect to see. I really didn't expect to see her die at all. I really kept thinking, "Oh, they're going to come bursting in. They're going to save her."
3: Yeah, I did not expect that to happen at all. I thought, you know, maybe that, uh, you know, uh, Jane Foster would be, you know, mortally wounded. Like, you know, he would would get the uh, the Aether. You know, and and uh, you know Jane Foster'd be, be wounded, and they'd be worried about saving her for the rest of the movie, or something like that. But, I mean, it, then we get the emotional scene. We get Frigga's uh, funeral. Um, I thought they did a great job with the music in that scene, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, showing how beautiful Asgard is, even in a such a you know solemn, sad moment. Asgard just looked beautiful at night. That was cool seeing Asgard at night. We usually always see it in the daytime, and I thought that was beautiful. Uh, As uh, you know, Frigga is being sent out in the boat, and just like you know uh, the Vikings, they shoot off the uh, flaming arrow. Which then you know when I thought it was cool when Odin took his staff and like hit the ground, and her her boat didn't go over the edge; it floated, and then she became part of the sky, part of the you know the, the constellations. Um, and then everybody else in Asgard sent off their own star to be, you know, for their own love dying, you know, the, the one, their loved ones that died in that battle, they sent off their own star into space. I thought that was very cool and gave us a look at like the Asgardians and like how they deal with death and how much they respect people that die for Asgard, you know, which, you know, brings us back to some other scenes in the movie, you know, like everybody, what they do is for Asgard. They love, their, they love their world. They love their country. It was just fucking cool, I thought.
2: Yeah, I thought that funeral scene was great. A lot of times funeral scenes in a movie really drag the movie down for me. But this was quite the opposite. It was very beautiful and majestic. And it just really did give us a lot more about the world and everything and what, you know, what kind of gods they worship and how they deal with death and whatnot. You know? It was very well done.
5: Yeah, I kind of felt like um, when I was watching it, and, and the people um, whose like loved ones died, besides you know the queen, um, were re- releasing the stars. I was like, they didn't even have to show that, but it's great that they did because it shows how they value those people. Like you said, it's just you know everybody that lived and died for Asgard, they respect wholeheartedly, and you know they're 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 you know, giving their respects to them as well as their queen at the same time. I was just like, that's totally unnecessary, but great. I love that they did that. Mm -hmm. Gina, how did you feel
3: about that?
4: I loved Loki's reaction. You know, he was just very quiet for a moment, and Mm -hmm. then, boom.
3: Yeah, he waited for everyone to leave. The soldier came and told him, and it wasn't even like it was Thor that came and told him. It was just some random soldier. And uh, he told him, and then he waited for him to leave, turned his back, and then, like, Bam, like you saw the furniture flying across the room. Just pure rage because I think I think Frigga was like the only connection that he had with Asgard at that point. I think that's
5: it.
2: Yeah, even as much as Loki yeah. himself would try to deny that. Yes.
5: Well, that's – yeah, it, to, it was a death that changed Asgard. That changed the whole story when she died. Absolutely, because now we've got Odin –
3: who's got this plan on how to take down Malekith and Thor also has a plan. Uh, Odin's plan was barbaric. If you ask me, he he was way he's He's using Jane Foster as bait and using his own people as just pieces to take him out where Thor, I think was thinking more like what would captain America do? That's what I kept thinking is Mm -hmm. Thor's thinking, what would cap do? And he's thinking, I have got to get Jane Foster out of here and I've, I've got to get her away.
4: Minimize the
3: damage. Minimize the damage. In, exactly. Minimize the damage in Asgard. But at the same time, I, I think that Malekith, I think I can work out a strategy. Malekith will draw the Aether out of her and I will destroy it with Mjolnir. Yeah.
5: Right. And, and Thor even said to Odin, you know, how does this make you any different than the Dark Elves? what you're doing and right. he, he said this is basically said this is what you have to do when you're king you know to protect your kingdom and Thor's basically like no you don't you don't have to do this and i think you're right it's just his interplay with the uh, human beings like captain america that makes him think like that now
3: yeah and uh, i so he sits down with idris elba and i, I mean it's great to see him in this role again. I thought it was cool. Idris takes off the helmet so it's kind of like he, it's like not he's not talking to him at his job you know at, yeah. the, at the bridge it's like you know there, he's he's off of work he takes off the helmet and that kind of said something to me and it I thought it was cool that we're getting to see him talk with Thor and then we see Thor make his point. As to you know, hey, here's Odin's plan. Here's my plan, and it's kind of cool to watch. You uh, just Elvis face, and you can tell that he's siding with Thor. And uh, I think Odin was just thinking about vengeance for Frigga. And if they would have done things that way, Gina's absolutely right. More Asgardians would have died, and and they probably, in my opinion, would have got defeated. Um, and it and then they they skip to the next scene where we get to watch uh, Thor uh Sif and Volstagg and I was Fandral there as well when they're all sitting at the table
5: uh it was I don't
3: think so okay it was Sif and Volstagg we've got um Heimdall sitting in the, like he's standing in the corner yeah and they are scheming to get
4: still separate a little bit what's that with him standing off his side it still felt like even though he was acquiescing to this, he was still kind of separate from it. Like right. not totally willing to be a hundred percent a part of it.
3: Right. I'm going to listen, but I'm not going to sit there and I'm not going to divulge any information and scheme with you guys. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I thought it was cool when they showed them, you know, at the table and then talking about what they're going to do. And then it would then play out on the screen and then they would cut back to the table again And then the next scene would play out about what they talked about. I thought that was very Ocean's Eleven.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Setting
5: up the plan.
3: Right. I I thought that was very cool to kind of throw into a Thor movie. (laughs)
5: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And and to see how all these plans came together, you know, uh, in that manner. And, you know, even with with Idris Elba, like we're talking about, what what he did and his actions – uh, to help these guys, uh, even though he was kind of off to the side, and he was kind of like, "Well, my loyalties to my king," but at the same time, you have a pretty good point, <laughs> yeah. and, and you got to see him really take to that. He really yeah. made a decision, and that was really cool. That was very cool. I like
3: that, and I like that they, you know, I think that uh, made me connect a lot more with Heimdall uh, in this movie than I did in the last movie. Uh, Even though he did help him out in the last movie. (laughs) Yeah. But I I think this was even more so because he's saying, you know, basically what I'm doing is treason. He's willing to risk, you know, spending eternity in prison.
5: Right. And I think Odin almost saw that. He almost kind of came to that. It seemed like the look on Anthony Hopkins face when Heimdall's like, I have, you know, I, I think your son is involved in treason and I was a part of it. Um, I think you see on on Odin's face that you know maybe this guy maybe Thor was right because Heimdall has the same you know Heimdall can see all the realms from where he's at he's yeah. been monitoring Midgard so maybe he sees value in what Heimdall sees and that was great that they really gave him more depth that character because he deserved it.
3: Now, okay, I'm going to ask each one of you: Is it not going to drive you crazy that we don't know what happened to Heimdall now? I mean, because Okay, <laughs> oh, now we're getting into more spoilers for the end of the movie, but like, it, okay, we'll talk about it later, but like, we don't know what happened to Heimdall after
5: all this. No, no, uh-huh. we don't. No, they don't bring him back after that's been uh, said. Uh, There's got to be a Thor 3 because
3: they've got to wrap these things up. And some of these things are eating at me. Like these are things that I'm thinking about. I also have predictions about what I think happened to certain characters. And I'm going to get into that at the end of this section of the podcast. So, um... What did you guys think about, okay, so now Thor meets Loki down in the prisons and, you know, Loki's dressed up in his Loki garb and he's, you know, talking his Loki bullshit.
2: I <laughs> loved this scene.
3: And then Thor says, come on, no more illusions. No more
4: illusions.
2: And then, and l- then yeah. And you get
4: to see the real damage. Yes. And-
2: he was bleeding. Yeah. It looked like there was shit on his feet too. He was yeah, I mean, he was
3: there was fluid. <laughs> I don't think it was feces, Jake. I think it was blood, but yeah, there was there was some shit he on his feet. He was
5: basically thrashing the room is what he was doing. Is what it looked like. He was thrashing the room, he was exhausted he looked and he was just trying to deal guys, with the
3: sorrow. Yeah, he looked like anybody who would have gone through having heard about their mother being murdered. Right. So, yeah, it was a powerful scene. Gino, do you think this was probably one of your favorite scenes in the movie?
4: It is, because it shows, I mean, again, he's so sympathetic, and it just made it that much easier for me to kind of root for the bad guy.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like this is the first Marvel movie with Loki where the writers knew what they had with Loki a little bit. Sure. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They kind of played into the popularity of Loki and the sympathy that we already had for him going into this movie but for did, the first time, you did, know.
3: Did they really? Because they actually brought him back to shoot most of the reshoots.
2: Brought who back? Loki?
3: Yeah, they brought back Tom Hiddleston. I mean most of the reshoots were with Tom Hiddleston. I think they I think when they shot this, Alan Taylor didn't really know what he had. Um, I could be wrong. They took What's it? Yeah, it was Josh Whedon. I think a lot of the stuff, a lot of the reshoots were with Loki. I'd say I'd say seventy five percent of the reshoots that they filmed just weeks ago were with Tom Hiddleston. I think they I think they realized what they had a little too late, but I think they did a great job putting this into the film.
2: Yeah, I agree. But yeah, like it's still the first movie to be aware of what the audience's perception of the character, even if it, they didn't figure it out till late and had to do reshoots. It definitely was still in there. I could really tell that the writers, you know, were toying with our emotions too a little bit with the character.
3: Right. I, I think I think Gina's is definitely right. I think we found out in this in this movie that. Loki was more of a mama's boy. I mean, he never got the love that he wanted from Odin, and I think that drove him crazy that he never got the approval from Odin. Um, And I think it it proves that he's more of a mama's boy and that his heart was more with Frigga. And now that Frigga's dead, I think that he has no connection to anyone.
2: I agree. Hey, Gina, you're a big Game of Thrones guy, right? Girl, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I get a, yes. I really th- think a lot about Theon Greyjoy when I think about Loki. I feel like those two characters have um, so much in common. Well, you know, with, I mean, I, with I, Theon I mean, being abandoned by his Loki family death. because they lost to he the other family dead. in war and never being truly accepted by his new adopted family and eventually turning on his adopted family. And
4: I mean, there's definitely similarities there. And I, I agree, I can see the... I can see the line that you would draw between the two. But as far as likability, I mean, there's no comparison.
2: No, I agree with that. Fionn's a scumwad, and you never really think anything else. Speaking <laughs> yeah, of scumwads, really Jake, up, um, I got a question for, for you.
5: Sure.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Jake.
3: Yes. <laughs> All right, there's too many people talking at once. Um, Let's see here. What did you guys think about the uh, Captain America cameo that we saw in this movie?
2: Loved it.
5: Yeah, that was another great comedic moment. That would that would be up there with my with the shoes in the cave. Uh, just loved it that they had that that he that that Loki would be like, oh, maybe this is more appealing to you. Maybe you'll listen to me now. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's walking, he's, talking about how yeah. tight the suit is. Yeah, he, he's like the outfit's a little much, a little too
3: tight. I can feel the righteousness surging. One had a little. <laughs> I
2: thought it was the best acting Chris Evans has done yet in one of these movies too, playing Loki, playing Captain America. <laughs>
3: Chris Evans, uh, if you've yes, watched him. I completely agree.
2: If you watch Chris Evans in other films, though,
3: I mean, he's a sarcastic guy. Like, watch him in, you know, Fantastic Four and some other movies. I think, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to disagree with Jay here, I think that Chris Evans plays his character to the T of the comic book I think Chris Evans plays Captain America to the T now you can say oh well Tony Stark he plays Iron Man so well no to- uh, uh, excuse me Robert Downey jr. he plays Iron Man so well Tony Stark he plays him so well well he changed that character he didn't he he's totally reimagined that character so now the comic books are trying to play like that that's Robert how jr. he. Yeah, that, that's how he is. Now, Chris Evans, I think he plays the traditional Captain America just like the Captain America should be played in the comics. I think he plays that character. Um, but yeah, I thought it was cool in this scene that he got to uh, kind of act like – you know, Tom Hiddleston would act as Loki. I thought it was funny. He had the little salute, the little sarcastic salute, and he's like, Wanna have a little chat about truth, justice, patriotism?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole uh, movie theater was laughing at that point. And it was a really good moment. Well, nice yeah. to break up. It was a great point to break things up, too. Well, you guys know that, you know, after the Avengers happened,
3: Chris Evans and Chris Hemworth, they're buddies now. And after the Avengers, they talked about, you know, why can't we show up and he each other's movies and i kept thinking to myself why can't they have a cap and thor team up movie but instead this is what they did and i thought it was great
2: yeah really well done yeah, evans actually went credited for that part too yeah he did
3: oh really yeah i wonder if this counts as one of his movies in a six contract deal or because they were filming at the same time as thor if it does not
2: i bet it does not I mean, I don't know. It's all guessing game, but... For him to go uncredited. What was that, Gina?
4: It was just a cameo. It wasn't a full role.
3: Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. That's why I was asking. I don't think it counted either. Uh, I think Chris Evans just did this on his own time, and I think it was just kind of a cool thing that he wanted to do for his friend, so...
5: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It see it just seemed like it was a really fun moment and I'm really glad it was in there and it, and it tied his relationship to Captain America and Loki's relationship to Captain America after the events of the Avengers.
3: So, you know, okay, we get the the final battle with, you know, Malekith and Thor and and it and it was cool. I I, I mean, you know, they're they're bouncing uh, between the porthole and thing like that and they're fighting in all these different realms. I thought that was a great fighting scene I thought it was fantastic and as they're bouncing through they go through you know Svartalheim and then they go to uh, there's, a, there's a point where they go to like the land of the frost giants and we see the frost giant beast and then th- they bring the frost giant beast back with them to earth
5: <laughs> yeah <laughs> And the ha- I, I loved I loved how they when they were traveling through the portals and how the hammer would cha- change directions like it yes. didn't know where to go. Yeah, it
2: was, it was confused. It was like a lost puppy.
5: It He's was like reaching for it and but- it's like making U turns in midair. Yes, the,
3: the hammer became its own character at that point. I yeah. agree. Now, guys, I kept thinking when that was happening that when it was flying out into outer space that it would fly by like the Guardians of the Galaxy at one point
5: yeah you were hoping i was hoping too. <laughs> but totally. then
3: i thought about it after the movie was over and i was like the guardians of the galaxy in this universe have not formed up yet they haven't met in the prison yet right so i was like okay that's why they didn't but it, i kept thinking like holy shit the hammer's gonna fly by into outer space we're gonna get to see the guardians of the galaxy and then it didn't happen so <laughs> it was still fun it was very fun i thought that was a great scene Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I even thought it was cool when, uh, Thor threw the, uh, the hammer and one of the portholes was actually in Malika's fucking stomach. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thor getting on the subway was quite hilarious. When, yeah, oh, with the I woman.
5: Like that. Yeah, that was quite hilarious. <laughs> how, how, she kind of uh, touches him like, are you real?
3: Right. <laughs> well, I mean, the door is open. He goes, H- uh, how do I get the Greenwich?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just hop on the train. Right. <laughs> mind the gap. Yeah, mind the gap. <laughs> All right.
3: So, you know, you know, okay, Thor, you know, Defeats Malakith and, and, uh, let, let's get to, you guys want to get to, we've been talking about this for quite a while. Um, did you have anything more to say about the main movie? Cause I, I'm gonna get to the mid-credits scene and then get to the, the uh, final after, uh, credit scene.
5: No, let's just cut to those cause I really want to talk about those. I agreed. <laughs> okay. So the mid-credits
3: scene. Okay. So in the mid-credits scene, we see Volstag and Sif in the uh, collector's museum. Now, let me ask you guys now, is this a ship or is this like a, like a base? I believe it's a ship. That's what I thought. Okay. So they tell him that they want to keep it safe. And the collector played by Benicio del Toro. uh, He says, isn't there somewhere in Asgard that you can keep it? Volstag, Volstag then says that they feel that they shouldn't keep two infinity quote stones so close together. So he takes the infinity gems, uh, and the, the infinity gem, and then he promises to keep it safe. Uh, he then says one down five to go. Yeah. Okay. So from this, we gather that the aether is the stone that they gave him. And the, Asga- the Asgardians have the Tesseract, which is the blue glowing cube and cap, And also in the Avengers. And that is another stone. Uh, If you're familiar with um, the uh, Byrne Perez uh, uh, Infinity Gauntlet series, there are six Infinity Gems. And so now we've been apparently introduced to two. I believe we've been introduced to three. I'm going to get into that later with my prediction section. Um, but, um, so I want to explain a little bit and maybe you guys can help me with this about who the collector is. Uh, because when they introduced him, I'm sure everybody in the theater was like, who the fuck is this guy? This (laughs) now, I mean, can we all agree that this scene had a completely different feel than? Oh yeah. It,
2: It was written and directed by James Gunn himself. Yes. And, so, it, I mean, it, and you could feel it. It felt like a totally different movie. It
3: should have. I mean, we've already said that all of these Marvel movies have a different feel to them and that this is setting up for you know uh, uh, what we are going to think is going to be this quirky, odd Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And we're going to meet characters that we don't know much about, uh, the general public doesn't know much about, and it's going to be fun. And a lot of people felt that this scene didn't fit the movie. And uh, I will admit that it's a little clunky, but I think in the long run, when we see Guardians of the Galaxy, that movie is going to make a lot
2: of sense of this scene. And and- I agree, Brian. All my friends turned to me and said, "What just happened in that scene? <laughs> you know, who was that? What was going on there?" Right. You know, it, it was hard for the non-comic book people to even follow that scene. Right. But I, I, I like I myself loved it.
3: Yeah, I wanted to get up in front of the fucking theater and do a Q- a Q and A. But uh, oh, exactly. I, yeah, I got thrown out. Um, now, <laughs> the collector. Okay, I said before he's played by Benicio del Toro. Uh, his character is in the comics, at least, is is from one of the oldest races. He is nearly immortal. Um, after his wife died, he one day he had a vision of great beings who would one day destroy the universe. So he started traveling. From planet to planet, galaxy to galaxy, collecting artifacts and living creatures so that if what he saw happened one day, uh, he could actually start a new civilization with all the beings and things that he collected and then pass his knowledge onto them. Um, I believe in this version, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he has seen a vision of Thanos getting all of the Infinity Stones and then using them, of course – And then he's wanting to try and prevent this.
5: Yeah, that's what it seemed like. He wants to collect them so that Thanos can't get them. Right. Well,
3: but in the same way, it's like, well, if I have one of them, then the Asgardians have another one. I'm preventing it. I think it's gone beyond the fact of him just like wanting to prevent it. He's the collector. He's a fucking hoarder. There ought to be a show, a reality show about this guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, somebody coming in there and saying, dude, you seriously need to throw some of this shit out. We got to get rid of it. (laughs) I think he's gone from collector to hoarder at this point. So he's obsessed with collecting. Uh, And I mean, I thought it was cool that he had reverence for the Asgardians. But at the same way, I think that he was kind of like pulling the wool over their eyes.
5: Right, right. I agree. And, you know, it it makes sense that he'd want to – I think it makes sense that he'd want to collect them to protect everybody for – you know, if that's what he saw, it seems like he wants to – it seems like he's not going to be a bad guy necessarily. He could be up to some no good in trying to collect these things maybe in Guardians of the Galaxy might prove that right. But, you know, it might prove it wrong he's – kind of just looking out for everybody at the same time
2: well yeah and, and the yeah. comics he's not really portrayed as a good guy or a bad guy he, he just kind of does his thing and he's whatever obsessed happens with, yeah. because of it he's yeah. obsessed
3: with collecting but at the same time that's not a good thing if he wants to collect all of them i mean right there you're setting him up to have every one of the stones just so thanos can take them away from him
2: Right. Yeah, make, make Thanos' Thanos's job easy. <laughs> exactly.
3: exactly. That's the whole part. Uh, that's the whole point in the Marvel comics of having the Illuminati. Each one of them gets a stone. You got a. True. You know, you got a stone with Black Panther now in in Wakanda, and you know, you know what I mean. Uh, and there are six Infinity Stones. There's six gems: Soul, Time, Space, Reality, Power, and the Mind Gem. Um, that's why he said one, one down five to go. Right. Um, so, I mean, Gina, what were your thoughts when you saw this scene? Are you familiar with the collector or I'm
4: not familiar? So it was confusing when I saw it. Um, (laughs) first of all, I had to remind myself that the only collector I know from Thomas is DC. So I was like, um, okay, that's not who I'm thinking. Right. So I really didn't know what to make of the scene
3: what questions do you have Um, about him or have we cleared them up for you for the most part?
4: I mean, that's why I've been just sitting here listening going, Oh, okay. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just curious to see like if he's going to come out, you know, lawful neutral or, you know, what, whatever he's going to be, you know?
3: Well, he's already been cast in the next movie. Uh, not the next movie. Next movie, of course is cap winter soldier, but like, the uh, movie that comes out in August, which is Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Benicio Del Toro has been cast in that. So we will be seeing him reprise his role as the Collector in that movie. So I'm sure that's going to tie up a lot of the story. Um can we can
2: we talk about Benicio for a moment? I thought he was excellent in this role.
3: Absolutely, I mean that's what he does. I mean, have you ever seen uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas?
2: Oh yeah, I, Dr. Gonzo. I, yeah, you if you're
3: gonna ha- if you're gonna have so- have somebody come in and do this part, uh, you want to get a weird guy like Johnny Depp or Benicio del Toro to come in there and play this weird collector. Uh, yeah, I, I loved how like even his. Outfit was stitched from different things, which I'm sure are from different alien races and different galaxies and shit. It, it was very his
2: mannerisms.
3: Cool. Yeah, his mannerisms—the way he bowed to the Asgardians—was really creepy and weird. I, I loved it.
2: Yeah, I Tupperware that scene. <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely. I love the way that they gave it a different feel. Now a lot of people were kind of taken out of the moment because they, we just got done watching this Alan Taylor Asgard film, and then like now it's just like, whoa, what what are, what are we watching? And it had a very different feel, which. Get used to it. We're going to have a different yeah. feel in each Marvel movie,
2: which I yeah, think And is- by now, if you don't know that at the end of each movie, we pass the ball to the next movie, then you haven't been paying the fuck attention.
3: Agreed.
5: Yeah, very true.
3: Um, let's talk about the – there was a uh, – did everybody stick around for the very final end credit scene? I did.
5: Yeah, it was pretty ho-hum, <laughs> I thought at least. Gina?
4: I'd been holding my bladder for the entire movie. So I like did mad dash out. <laughs> <laughs> wah, 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 wah. I was like, I can't hold it anymore. And I got to go. <laughs>
3: well, you missed a really fun scene and a movie actually a scene that kind of sets up for the next Avengers film. If you ask me, uh, what they, uh, and I'll go ahead and explain what happened. Thor shows up in Greenwich And is now with Jane Foster. And then they kiss. So now this leads up into Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. So now we don't have to explain why Thor's leaving Asgard. He's already on Earth. So that sets it up, which I think is great. Um, Then they get the really funny shot at the end with the frost giant beast chasing after some birds like he's a puppy dog. (laughs) And I thought that was cool. So... I thought that was a funny moment. Uh, uh, Michael Cornish, he's one of our listeners, he wanted to know what that scene was. So basically, what you see is you see, like, Jane and, like, uh, you see Jane Foster and Eric Selvig and, and, uh, Derry, uh, which is Kat Denning's character, and then Ian the intern. They're all sitting around at a table and they're like, do you think he'll come back? Blah, 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 blah. There is a, uh, Um, a calendar on the wall that said 2013 and I tried to like zone in and see what month it was so I could get an idea of the time frame I couldn't tell it kind of looked like June but I wasn't 100% sure Um, so it was hard for me to tell exactly what month this took place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe but that's when they hear some thunder Uh, and then, you know, Thor comes down and then, you know, Jane runs out and kisses him. And then we see the frost giant beast chasing. So that was the scene, Michael. Um, if you didn't get to see that online or anything. So after that scene happened, I looked at my girlfriend and she told me that she would give it a Tupperware and she said, and, and then I looked at her and I said, I wonder, cause I told you guys last week that in the November 19th. Uh, episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. that that episode ties directly into this Thor movie, I told her I wonder if that show is about the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents having to contain that frost giant beast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Probably. The only thing that would make me think it's not is the show paying for the CG to have that frost giant beast in the I, whole episode. Yeah,
3: I thought that as well. I thought that as well because that you know ILM does the industrial light and magic. They do all the special effects for these movies, and uh, I'm sure they did it for the beast as well. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're right about that. I, I think we might get maybe like an appearance from like Eric Selvig or you know Kat Dennings. Or, you know, one of the,
2: maybe even Ian, the intern. Or <laughs> maybe. I liked it. I was sorry about that. I was, I really liked that very last sequence. It, it was just fun. It was light and fluffy. We got a serious heady after credit sequence with the collector. So after that, it was nice for just a light and fluffy one.
3: Well, and no, I think it had like a lot of weight to it. I mean, it shows that Thor is now in Greenwich with Jane Foster and now we know he's on Earth and we don't have to worry about that in the Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. Like, OK, you know, Odin said, yeah, it's OK. You can be on Earth. You can be with her. You don't have to be king right now. Um, you know, I, I thought that worked out really well. And then we also found out, you know, like pretty much like uh, the big reveal with uh, before that, before the movie ended, we, that, that Loki did not die.
5: Right, he almost perpetrated this event to take place where Thor leaves Asgard. Right, so now yeah, I Loki.
3: Would say get-
4: Odin did not tell him that he didn't have to be king. That was actually Loki telling him that.
3: Yes, and Loki now gets to have the throne like he's always wanted.
5: Right, and we don't know what happened to Odin either. I'm going to talk about that in my predictions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I have. Were you pre-
4: glad though.
5: What's
3: that?
4: That that were you glad that Loki got to hear his brother
3: say. You're cutting out your muffled.
4: Were you glad that that Loki got to hear his brother say positive things about him? Like, I wanted to be like, "See, be brothers again. You'll be a family."
3: Nah, I just think that Loki, <laughs> like, it goes in one ear and out the other with him. Yeah, I agree. Aww. Even though (laughs) I know, but I still love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Don't get me wrong, Uh, but I think it goes in one ear and out the other. And I'm looking forward to the Loki Agent of Asgard comic book that's coming out in 2014.
5: Yes, very exciting.
3: Okay, so anyway, after this movie ends, I can hear like people leaving the theater. Some. (laughs) (laughs) There's <laughs> this, this dumbass kid, this little kid that's walking out of the theater, and, like, he's a little know-it-all, and he's, like – he had just watched the collector scene, and I could hear him saying – he's, like, talking to his friend. He's, like, um, yeah, fire, earth, all of the elements – and he, he's, think, he's thinking that that's what the Infinity Stones are for. Like this is right. fucking Captain Planet. Like <laughs> this ain't Magic the Gathering, kid.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: Fire, Earth, Wind, Water, Heart, and like all of a sudden they're going to summon Captain Planet in the next movie. What the fuck? you dumbass kid? That's, and anyway, that's that. That's only five. You dumbass. Uh, I I wanted to grab the kid by the scruff of his neck and be like, listen. There's six gems, soul, time, space, reality, mind, and power.
5: Yeah, memorize it, you little shit. (laughs) (laughs) Nerd up, motherfucker.
4: (laughs) All right, I want to go... He's going to feel really stupid when the next one comes out and his friend's like, dude, you were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I am Captain Planet.
3: I'm going to be, like, (laughs) (laughs) mind-fucking-blown. With our powers combined. All right, anyway. (laughs) that was like the most (laughs) ethnic friendly show of all time yes it was and eco-friendly oh yes of course (laughs) it could piss no one off anyway um all right i'm gonna go into predictions if you guys have any predictions i that you have come up from this movie i'd love to hear them first prediction i'd like to talk about what happened to odin does anybody have any guesses at all i'd like to
2: start with anyone I'm just excited me, me, me. to hear what you what you have to say. I, I think you've got something brewing here.
3: Okay, I heard Gina say "me, me, me." What happened to Odin? Yes.
4: Okay. I feel like he is sitting in Loki's cell, appearing as Loki.
3: Oh shit! Interesting. Very interesting. I like because that.
4: Loki's really, really good at making you think he saw something. I mean, even, he's even shown that he can make you look like someone else by making Thor look like Sips. So I think he's sitting in Loki's cell looking like Loki. Holy
5: shit, very nice. But- yeah, because nobody else knew that Loki had died, or supposedly died, right? Thor did. Besides Thor, which is, he's gone, he's off guard. so...
3: Well, you think that he would... Right. Yeah, you're... Okay. You're right. Okay, okay, that, that might work. Um... Interesting. Any other, anything else to tie that in? That's that's a very good. I had not even considered that.
5: Yeah, I mean, because like you're right, Gina. They're not they're not like going to put him back to sleep. Like they did in the in the first one. It's not going to be something like that. It's yeah. going to be something else. And and that makes sense to me. I I really don't have anything else that would really top that. I don't know. All right, I here. I feel
4: like it explains why they had to take a moment to show that. See, I can make you look like someone else.
5: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very
3: good. Oh shit! My mind is blown. <laughs> <clears throat> this is my um, my uh. This is my prediction, and I don't know if it'll even live up to that because I really like that one. Um, <laughs> I I can't believe, first of all, that Loki's powerful enough to kill the All Father. Okay. Um, I think what he has done to Odin is what Odin did to him. I feel that. He – it's kind of like what Gina says. I feel he has imprisoned him, but I feel it's not in the dungeons of Asgard. I feel like he has imprisoned him in Muspelheim. Um, There is that scene where he shows up to Odin as the Asgardian soldier, uh, and he implies that they found the body of Loki. Right. I think in Thor 3 – there is one uh, If – we're going to see a scene with Odin saying to the soldier – because they cut. They cut and they say the, – the soldier says, we found a body, and they imply that it's the body of Loki. I think in Thor 3, they're going to show an extended scene with Odin saying to that soldier, which is Loki, take me to the body. Right. Uh, the soldier then goes to take Odin to the body, and instead – Loki leads him to a portal to Muspelheim, which is the realm of the Fire Demons. Oh, shit. Okay. Once Odin is there, it's revealed that Loki has worked out a deal with Surtur, who is the leader of the Fire Demons, who in the comics was once imprisoned by Odin in the core of Asgard. He now gets his revenge by imprisoning Odin, as does Loki, who was also
5: his prisoner. Wow. I like
4: that.
5: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, how else are you going to do it, really? It it has to be one of those two things. It really
2: does. That does make sense. You really think it's going to be not until Thor 3, though, that we find out what happened?
3: I do. I think that the events of the Age of Ultron are going to unfold before we see any of this. We might get, like glimpses, I, I just think we're going to, I don't think that they're going to, I think everything that's happened in this one is kind of leading into like the, um, the, the third, uh, the, the second Avengers movie. Uh, we're, we're looking at, uh, all of the, um, the MacGuffins that are out there, like these, uh, you know, the, the Tesseract and, and, uh, uh, the, uh, Aether, those are the gems. I think they're on a search for all these gems. I also have a prediction about the um, the uh, third, one of the third gems. I think we've already been introduced to one. And we, okay. we haven't even realized it. Um, let me see here. Let me see if I can remember this because I didn't add it to my notes. I'm going off the top of my head. Okay, so I feel that What's going to happen in Guardians of the Galaxy is we are – that's going to reveal – okay, at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, the trailer, the trailer that was released at San Diego Comic-Con, they showed Chris Pratt, Star Lord, breaking into that um, treasure room, right? Right. Um, And he steals that one treasure, right? Yeah. I think that treasure is one of the Infinity Gems, the stones.
5: I agree okay. with you.
3: Yeah. Okay. I also think at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm guessing one of the characters and I'm going to guess Rocket Raccoon, they become aware that there are infinity stones and the plan of Thanos, okay? Either through Gamora or Drax, one of them finds out and they are aware of the infinity stones and so they are also on the on the hunt for the other infinity stones to collect them before Thanos gets them. So I think these infinity stones, some of them maybe haven't been around for all of time. I think some of them have just come into existence. I think Rocket Raccoon picks up that one of the infinity stones is actually on earth and he calls it the arc reactor. (laughs) Oh shit. And that is the power
2: stone. Okay, okay. Does that make sense? That does make sense. I was thinking that probably Nebula will have something to do with the Infinity Gems and Guardians of the Galaxy, too, since we we know she's going to be in it also, you know? Yeah,
5: yeah. Well, if the arc reactor has anything to do with the creation of Ultron, too, that would definitely, definitely give it more credence as well. Right, right. Huh? I, th- these are guys. These are just predictions. I mean, I have
3: no idea one way or the other. I'm just after watching these movies, they get me thinking, and I think that yeah, I think we've in- been introduced to an Infinity Stone already, and I, I believe that one of these Infinity Stones is the Arc Reactor, which ties us into Iron Man. I don't know if we're gonna see like I think that you know like rocket might even be talking about it, and like on one of the screens in their ship, they show a picture of you know Tony Stark right like this is the guy we need to talk to, and then that leads us into i don't think it'll lead us into Avengers two I think that's gonna be more of an Avengers Three type of thing
2: that was actually my next question i I feel like that this infinity gym thing will probably come to a head in Avengers Three
5: right. Which would make sense. Again, why introduce Ultron and not have an Infinity Gem kind of tie-in? Yeah. I think that makes total, total sense.
2: Yeah. i got a feeling we'll see more are Thanos at the uh, end credit scene Ultron's on Avengers origin? 2. Yeah. What was that, yeah, Jana? absolutely.
4: Are they completely changing Ultron's origins? I had heard that they are.
2: Yes, yes. they are. They are. Uh,
3: because apparently the way it works out, okay, in the comic books, you know, Hank Pym is the creator of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Well, Hank Pym is not going to be – Ultron is going to be introduced in Avengers 2, which comes out in May of 2015. Well, Hank Pym is not even going to be introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe until two months later when they come out with the Ant-Man film directed by Edgar Wright. Yeah. So a lot of people are speculating that the different armors that were used in um, Iron Man 3 – play a part in the, uh, robotics in, uh, Ultron, as well as the, you know, Asgardian destroyer armor, as well as maybe vibranium from cap. Uh, and then also, um, uh, Jarvis would be the, uh, artificial intelligence that kicks it off. And then maybe Scarlet Witch gives the spell to make it sentient and Hmm. make it a living being.
2: So, yeah, a lot, a lot of big changes there. No Simon Williams brain patterns for Ultron either, you know?
3: Right. Yeah, a lot. It's, it's 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 a different origin, but I'm not against it. I mean, I don't want everything to play out like it did in the comics. I think this is a good way to go about it. Um, I, I still don't think we've got everything nailed down. Uh, I think that... I think Marvel listens to a lot of these predictions, and they're like, "Okay, all right, there goes that one." And they they keep thinking, you know what I mean? I do.
4: Good job, Brian. You probably just ruined it then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time I ruined something.
2: No, uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> Jay Jay was very quick to agree there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think Ooh, yeah, you. I like you that I,
5: Brian's kind of good about thinking outside or a little bit ahead of Marvel. I think we saw some of that news today. We, we already covered it because Brian already predicted it. So, I mean, there's stuff like that that I think uh, you have a good eye on. I think this is probably one of them. I, I don't think Ultron's going to be a throwaway. I think he's definitely going to tie into the bigger p- cosmic picture, and I think we'll see a little bit of, more of that in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy.
3: I think Ultron also is a distraction for the bigger picture, which is Thanos.
5: Hmm, that is a very good point as well. Um, I think a big, a big enough threat to be a distraction from from Thanos. I yeah. think
3: that Ultron is a distraction that the that takes the attention of the Avengers, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are the only ones that are actually aware of Thanos' intentions, and it takes another phase before the Guardians of the galaxy can get to the Avengers and tell them listen you I understand you had to stop you know Ultron but there's a bigger threat altogether
5: right. Right, and, and and you know what's what's really cool is like the end scene of Avengers where Thanos like looks at the camera and smiles, and you kind of see that he's focused on Earth. Like, why is he so intently focused on Earth at this point? This cosmic being, you know, this all powerful, almost eternal being. Why is he so focused on Earth? Right, and it really, really, really might be the arc reactor.
2: <laughs> I uh, I find it fascinating that um. You know, how how well Guardians of the Galaxy does in the box office is really going to hinge on some of the story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If Guardians of the Galaxy bombs in the box office, then that's going to alter the story.
5: Right. Yeah,
3: I agree. Um, and this wasn't, you know, I thought it was a great scene for comic book fans seeing The Collector. But as far as actually tying into the Guardians of the Galaxy directly for people that are non-comic book fans, I don't think it set it up that well. Um, because we didn't get to see Rocket or Groot or Drax or Star-Lord or Gamora. Um, what about you, Gina, since you're not... I Are you familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy or was this kind of just like everything was kind of like out of left field?
4: Um, I know a little. I knew about Pym and the original, you know, storyline behind all that. But the thing is, like, I, I, I still feel really... Like a noob when it comes to yeah,
3: and that's fine.
4: Guardians,
3: sure, sure, and that, I think you're you're you share the same sentiment as ninety percent of the public. And yeah, she's not alone. You're not alone, and that's what Jake is kind of like alluding to. Is like Guardians of the Galaxy is the most unknown property. I mean. Iron Man, when it came out, was unknown. He was kind of like a B-list character, especially in the comic books. I mean, that book was not selling well. And until Tony Stark really redefined the role of Iron Man, that really didn't become mainstream. And Guardians of the Galaxy is the furthest thing from mainstream that Marvel has ever tried to tackle. So this movie is going to be huge as far as Marvel taking on these risky characters. If Guardians of the Galaxy succeeds, I think we are going to see the Black Panther movie. I think we are going to see Doctor Strange. I think we are going to see some of these more obscure characters in the Marvel Universe that we haven't seen, and we're going to see Marvel taking risks on these characters.
2: Yeah, I mean, if Guardians of the Galaxy makes a shit ton of money, then the sky's the limit for what Marvel wants to do at that point. You know, they, they, come down they can to pretty much do whatever. What's what's that, Gina?
4: It's all going to come down to casting and how they advertise. I think I feel like the advertising for Thor, I don't think they put as much into it as they did for Iron Man. Because I and this is coming from someone I don't have. I don't have TV. Right. So I saw advertising for Iron Man everywhere, but I really didn't see that much for Thor, and I'm sure there was uh, there was advertising on TV, but outside of that, I mean, I didn't see a whole lot of it, and yet with Iron Man, I saw it everywhere.
3: You're right. I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, even Thor had the Jarvis app, and I mean, there was so much that, uh, that they... So much advertising, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the amount of money that they want to spend on advertising too. I think yeah, the budget for advertising for Iron Man was probably considerably higher um, the and a lot of the sponsors felt more you know I think they 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 would of course they would want to pursue sponsoring Iron Man more than they would Thor. But uh, as far as box office numbers go for a Thor movie, I, I think this is successful. And I-, I think it's a successful podcast for us, giving it, you know, two tastes and a Tupperware. And I honestly, I value your, even though I gave it a Tupperware, I value the fact that Jake Gave it a taste it. And I understand why he gave it a taste it. Gina, I understand why you gave it a taste it. I I can't say that everyone that watches this movie is going to give it a Tupperware. Everybody's going to get something different out of it. I can honestly say, like, my girlfriend asked me, like, who's your favorite Avenger? And I told her, I said, my favorite Avenger is Thor. And so maybe I'm a little bit biased.
2: Now, don't forget Jay now. It's two Tupperwares and two Tastets.
3: It is two Tupperwares, two it. so two and two. I feel like Chuck Woolery right now. But anyway. <laughs> I'll be back two. in
4: two and two. <laughs> but guys, I've had Do you a lot. we're going to get to a point where we see some of the other, like, later on Avengers that come in? Like, you think we're ever going to see a point where Spider-Man becomes a part of the Avengers or Wolverine? Like Great question. Later on in the.
3: Great question. Um Okay. We've talked about that, this at length on the other podcast. now. Of course, you know, Spider-Man is owned by Sony. Um, the X-Men are owned by Fox. Uh, Fantastic Four is owned by Fox. Um, these characters cannot show up in a Marvel Studios film unless a deal is worked out. Now, recently, Kevin Feige has come out and said that he is in no rush to have them join this universe. Um, but... On the flip side of that, Sony is 100% ready to have Spider-Man join this universe and get some of that (sighs) Avengers money. Also, the X-Men, more so than Spider-Man, is 100% ready to join in on this Avengers money and get these films together. But Kevin Feige thinks that they have such an unlimited well of characters that they can tap into, and they're not even through Phase 3 yet. So I don't see this happening again for maybe another... I mean, th- guys, think about it. Kevin Feige says that they have figured out their movies of what they're going to be doing eight years from now. So I don't see this happening at least for another 10 years before maybe these movies come together. I think it's going to take these movies to start dipping in their uh, box office financial uh, records. As far as like what they're taking in. And I also think it also hinges on when Robert Downey Jr. leaves the franchise. When he leaves as Iron Man, I think they're going to think, okay, now we need to get, we need to bring in Spider-Man. We need to bring these in and we need to boost the box office financial, um, you know, we need to pad this a little bit more. Do you agree? Yeah. or
5: Disagree? Yeah, or? I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I don't think he feels any need to, to do that right now. Like you said, there's, there's so many characters they can work with at this point that, and, and they're doing so well that they really don't need to make that move. I think they're going to save that. You don't, you don't want to put that all in at once right now. I don't think either. I, right. I, I, people, of course, want it. They want Spider-Man and the Avengers. They want Wolverine in the Avengers. But. Um if you do that right now while the momentum's still good, you're just basically shooting your whole wad. You're putting everything out there all at once when you could save that for when you really need it. And I think I think you're right. And I think it's a smart move and that's what he does. But I think Gina's
3: right, you know, I mean for crying out loud, guys, they fought in New York. Peter Parker lives (laughs) in New York. Yeah. Not in the Marvel
2: Movie Universe, he doesn't.
3: you know not in the marvel cinematic universe but in the 616 i mean he lives in new york i mean if any characters g- gonna show up during the avengers even if it was just as a as a cameo as peter parker like all of a sudden like you know he's got his camera out and he snaps a shot of iron man as he's flying along when that space whale is chasing after him you know i mean that would have been a cool cameo. And they even talked about having the, uh, logo in that film. Now come, come to find out it, it wasn't as far along in talks as we thought it was, but it was still something that was discussed. But I think Gina's right. I think, uh, I mean, it, it, for fans, that's what we want to see, but as far as Marvel Studios is concerned, they're making plenty of money right now, and I don't think they feel the need for it yet. I think they've got this thing figured out for the next eight years, and anything past that, you know, maybe they'll consider. But as of right now, I don't see it happening in the immediate future
2: yeah i agree it's a boost sales move and sales don't need boosted they're pretty pretty doing pretty well and how much money
3: is sony gonna need how much money is fox gonna want from this i mean marvel you know i mean they're gonna make their money i mean how much more money are they gonna make by having spider-man in it yeah it could be huge or it couldn't be They, they don't know there's no way to know um but uh I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. I'm just hoping that they, that they take on some a, a character because if they do do like Spider-Man or they do X-Men, guys, that lessens the chances that we're going to be able to see a Doctor Strange movie. It lessens the chances that we're going to see Black Panther. It lessens the chances that we're going to see some of these like other obscure characters that or you know that we might not see in, in the Marvel universe. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like we're ever going to see a Punisher film again or maybe a Daredevil film for that matter. And we're going to talk about that later uh, when we do our news segment. But um, I don't know. Did anybody have anything else they wanted to say before we wrap this up?
2: Um, I would just very quickly like to uh, thank Carmike Cinemas for um, throwing (laughs) me a ticket to see this movie. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm used to going to the $4 landmark. So it was nice to sit in the, the pretty house.
3: No, thanks that's Carmack. Awesome. Thank you, Carmack. That's pretty awesome. Um, I'd like to thank the person at the box office that took my money and, um, thank you. I, I would pay more than full price for this movie. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, uh, all right. I think we're going to wrap this up, wrap this one up. Gina, it has been fantastic having you on the show. Um, And uh, I hope you uh, come back again. Please promise us that you'll come back again and join us in future episodes. I shall. Nice. Okay, awesome. Good.
2: Gina, I promise I won't talk over you as much next time.
4: (laughs) That's okay. I'm pretty bad about it.
5: (laughs) No, I mean, it takes a while to get used to that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was really good having you on. I I love hearing what you have to say about stuff like – you know, I could talk to you all day, as so I'm sure everybody else out here could about this stuff. So
2: Yeah, it is tough. Me, Brian, and Jay, we've perfected our chemistry. So oh, absolutely. It's, it's kind of hard to come in here and right away be a part of that.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, I like to end every show with a
3: fuck you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, guys. Um, until next week, I'm Brian. I'm
2: Jason. I'm Jake.
4: I'm Nina. And we're. The
2: Leftovers, leftovers, Uh baby.
4: Yay.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that.
3: And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there, comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you.
0: There's already like 7 million podcasts. Raps, by the
2: cool kids. It, it, it's a trap.
0: Good, to toss it, could to it taste Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it, let's embrace it, tough parties wear party, Subculture spill over, like a vulture carry over, tough culture pushovers, pop culture and leftovers and uncool kids. What's this has already been said? Leftover. pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing. that' hot culture leftovers and toss it good and taste it do we love it hey let's raise it Can't embrace it, it let's embrace it tupperware party subculture spill over like a vulture carry over counterculture pushed over pop culture left over and with the uncool kids what's to say already been said left pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture left over Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party, subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover counterculture push over pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Who's a better superhero, Thor or Loki? Thor. Why would you say that? because he can make it thunder and lightning and he has a big hammer. And sometimes he hits the hammer on the ground and all the bad guys fall down just because he's so strong and he can knock them over with just his hammer.
2: See who needs a hammer? I push you over with my bare hands. Thor, The Dark World in theaters November 8th. Like I was the only one who thought she was being cute just for the sake of being cute, please.
1: You are rude.